Hey man, this is number what, three. What, 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 what was that dance you just I, did? I, I have to do that sometimes when I'm over at the bar DJ and to make it seem like I know what I'm doing. What is it though? Is that like a fist? Just, I don't. You just hype, man. We've been doing this week. <laughs> Anything? How's your week gone so hey, far? It's been going really, really good. What about yourself? Anything? Easy. You know, we we've uh, we kind of missed a week. Uh, you know, I told the fans that we would give them a better explanation on the show. Uh, like I said, me, Max, and Mike, episode three, making an impact. And uh, today we'll be talking about the COVID era, how COVID affected yourself, uh, myself, wrestling in general, but most importantly, Impact Wrestling uh, and your experience at Impact. Uh, and the other thing that we'll be covering is what came from the COVID era, and that's Wrestle House. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, my my week's been great. Uh, you know, just. I, I just live the regular life, man. I'm not exciting like you are. Man, uh, I want to do that. Yeah. How does that treat you? I, no, I mean, it's, it does. it's been a week of, like, rebuild, reassess, you know, recreate something new. That, that you just know, seems we, like your lifestyle. You yeah. constantly are, you know, we talk about it, going outside the box and uh, rebuilding, you know, just – Always well, you know, you know I, ki- I kicked all the students out of the academy, as you know. Uh, yes, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> and then we picked back up Sunday with the, the restarts, and I feel like it was good. I, I think it was much needed, and just not just in wrestling, but life. Sometimes you realize that you go a track, and then, you know, maybe it's not working, and you swing, and then you might fucking – you know, you hit a home run somewhere else, and then you're like, well, shit, I'm pretty good at hitting a home run on the left side. That right side hadn't treated me well. So that's it. You know, we had to do that with the school. We had to take back, you know. Like I said Sunday, I had to take back control of things that I didn't like and how they went, and I feel like we're off to the right start uh, again for yeah. sure. But that's the first time in 20 fucking years I had to, like, kick students out all yeah. the way, completely well, shut it down. You yeah. know, sometimes you get comfortable. We talked about that, like, that you're not a guy that just – gets comfortable and just rests on that. Uh, and I think that sometimes, even in a student environment, that you get comfortable and you think, well, this is what I've got and I can always come back to it, uh, you know, and I think yeah. that it was taken advantage of and well, I think uh, the problem it'll reel them in a little bit. The problem is is that I'm so caring. You know, I, I allow them I allow them to live at, at, at school as they would live at home, and that's not correct. You know, I mean, I, what you do at home is fine, but I think – I don't know. Sometimes we just get comfortable with each other, and and it's much easier for them to, or or you or me to to maybe take advantage of you and like do something that that I wouldn't do to someone else, you know, because I care about you so much. I don't think it would bother you as much if I didn't show up for you, you know. You know, I love you anyway. Kind of. I feel like yeah. I feel like that's kind of where we was at with the school, and, and it don't work that way. I'm teaching pro wrestlers. You're teaching pro wrestlers. I'm not teaching. I'm not teaching a hangout. I'm teaching, you know hopefully something that's going to make them a very good living in years to come. So we must take it pretty serious. And we had to just pull them back a little bit, and I feel good about it. Yeah, well, you're always giving back. You know, you take the knowledge that you learn from Impact or all over the world. You've been to some pretty cool places and always constantly learning. You always bring that back, and you give it to the students. You give it to the guys that uh, we work with on the different shows we go around to. And uh, I think it's really cool because our atmosphere is a little different. It's not just like – Hey, you pay your tuition, and it's just a pro wrestling school, and, you know, I'll see you on uh, Tuesday, or I'll see you on Wednesday for two hours, and outside of that, yeah, you can message me, but I'm going to see that message, and, uh, you know, hey, we'll talk in class. We really care, and that is uh, sometimes to our detriment that we care so much that uh, we are constantly given 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
of any knowledge we have. We're always trying to help people not make mistakes that we have right. or not go down some of the roads that we had to go down to learn the right way. I think it might scare the shit out of people when they hear, like, damn, some of the sacrifices. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. And it yeah. might be a little overwhelming. Well, so, yeah, you know, we talked about it last week with going, hey, what do you really want? What are you willing to do right. to get it? It's easy to say, like, oh, this is what I want. I want it more than anything. We always make that joke that there's always that guy that's like, I would give my left nut to make it in this business. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is yeah, it's you can say anything. You can even convince yourself that what you're saying is reality, that this is true. But at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, I think, and this is with anything, not just with professional wrestling, sometimes you have to really self-evaluate and you know deep inside your heart if this is something you really want. Right. Well, I think that's on both ends, too. And, and that's something that I did some self-reflection because, you know, you know me. It's like I can't, I can't say anything in regards to the other side without looking at myself first. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I think prior I, I was like, why? It's, it, it, if you came to my academy is you had to make it to the next level. Like that was, you know, if, if, if you're not here for that, then you don't need to be here. And I thought that for the longest time because that that's truly how I feel. Yeah. But also I need to self-check and think, man, you know, not everyone, not everyone does it like me. Not everyone does it like you, you know. But at the end of the day, we all have the love for pro wrestling. And and, and I love to teach it. And if someone wants to learn it and, and only do it in a couple counties for a decade and talk the rest of their life about how great it was, hey, I can't, I can't knock that. No. But but I'll tell you what really lights me up is to see when when people like a Kellen Craven from our academy me that's going out there and it's hungry and, and and he's traveling the roads by himself with a car load spending money losing money making money that's that's what i like to see that those are the type of kids i like to see come through there you know we we're talking about the love of professional wrestling people don't really understand and and never would i expect them to when they're like well why do you do what you do uh, i had mentioned it i think in the last episode where jeff jarrett said that you know if you, if you love it, you don't need an explanation. And if you don't get it or you don't love it, no explanation will ever do. We're like a live performance art. We give of our body. We go out there and we, we put on a show and we are telling our story and giving those people something that they get from watching a movie or reading a book or uh, watching TV. You know, they get that same experience from us. We take them on that journey for however long we're out there. And for some shows, an entire show will do it. But the thing is, is that we, when it's all said and done, we don't just say cut and then like a stunt double jumps right. in and they take the falls for us. We are throwing ourselves on the mat. And we are running our heads into corners. And to, for anybody else, when they hear that, it's like, why? Why would you do that? Uh, and I won't even go into the explanation of how we bleed. You know, it definitely isn't like a blood packet or a ketchup bottle. It's funny, though, is like, you're like, man, I'm fucking, I can't wait till this weekend, this this weekend dough season comes in. It's like, well, what the fuck are you doing with dough season? And they're like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm going to go pour some piss over myself <laughs> that I can buy at Walmart. It smells like deer piss. I usually got to pay extra for that. And then I'm going to go buy this 50-pound feed sack of, 
you know, drawing in and, you know, and it's going to be 30 degrees and this, that, and another. I'm like, well, why in the fuck would you do that? And then they look at me and be like, well, why in the fuck would you hit the mat? Why would you get your head run into the buckle? Why yeah. would you, you know, all that's just, it's, I think it's what we love. Those, you know, I think anything as, as a child, whether it be hunting, fishing, wrestling, basketball, once you get bit by something that entices you and once it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about you, but you're going to fucking do that because that's what makes you happy. That's what makes you happy. Yeah, it's a, Steve Austin said it. It's the greatest drug in the world. It and, really is. And you can never get enough. There, yeah. there ain't no alcohol. Yeah. There ain't no drug out there that's like that addiction of being in that ring, coming through that curtain. And I, that's what I love. I love when our students get to experience that or when I see the light come on to where somebody that didn't quite get it, now they get it. And now right. they know that not only, not only just the feeling, but being able to control that crowd, to control that audience, and to, you know, when you want them up, they're up. When you want them down, they're down. When you want them to think you're going right and you go left and they go insane, that that just that feeling, I just, I get goosebumps even just thinking about it because I know I've been in there and I've experienced that. And we've seen guys that they're like, well, I don't get it. They'll hear us, uh, you know, call a match or talk, or talk through something and we'll go 100 miles an hour and they'll look at us like, Deer in the headlights. Like, what did yeah. you just say and how did you do that? And then when they get to that point to where they can do the same things that we're doing and also that they're experiencing what they've seen us experience or what we've talked about it and they haven't quite felt it yet. And then when they finally, like you yeah. said, it's that bite and you can't get enough. You can't get enough of it. Yes, I always tell people that look down the line. Look at yeah. everybody that's ever, you, you know, we talk about making it. And so yeah. if we do the... The generic term of making it, if you look at, like, the tops in the business, yeah. Hogan, Cena, Flair, uh, Rock, all these guys that you can think of, almost all of them have been through some kind of divorce. Mm -hmm. They've been through hardship. They've got, you know, <laughs> their, their backs are yeah, out. Their man. legs are yeah. gone. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan talked about in his book that at one point in time, and think about this. This is the biggest star in wrestling. You know, you, me and you grew up during the Hulkamania era. And, I mean, if you go, okay, who's one of the top wrestlers in the world? At least for the longest time. And I think any pure fan will go, oh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk, Hulk Hogan's, Hogan's a man. man. Even, even, like, people will look at Goldberg. Yeah. No offense, no, no knock on Goldberg. No. You know, but he's, he's very, uh, you know, he obviously is, is a statue in, in the industry. You yeah. know, but... And some people just love the fact that he just mauled through motherfuckers and they think he's the goat. And, and, and I can't say that, you know, in their eyes they're wrong, you know, but me, me, you know, I can't say, well, man, fucking Goldberg's the greatest to ever lace boots. I can't say that. I, I, I don't. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I really think when you look at all these names that I was talking about, you know, and the hardships they go through, there is nobody that gets what they want and gets to the top without sacrifice Shit. And, you, and you get there and you lose a lot to get look everything. at look at what we're going to talk about today yeah look at the sacrifices that you got to make through that whole covid you know mess yeah that that we had there and that's what i was getting to with like you know i was talking about hogan in that book had said that you know he literally had a gun and he, he was gonna he wanted to kill himself uh you know i don't know if he's gonna put it in his mouth you, uh, you know that i've went through situation my mom did uh, that so it, that lets me know that I you know I've had a lot of time to sit and think about uh you know why people do that type of stuff and to think that 
the biggest star in the world, the guy that's achieved everything that everybody wants, the making it guy. He literally had no reason to live. I well, mean, obviously he did. He, yes. he goes on, but in his mind for a second, he thought this is it. I think that we as entertainers and we as fans, you know, uh, fans sometimes just think, you know, well, these are immortal beings. There's nothing wrong in their life. But Especially really. when you call yourself the immortal. And then, yeah. and then sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to realize, like, man, we're real people. We, we fight the same struggles of the same bills. We fight the same struggle of, you know, we argue with our wives, you know, probably a little more than the regulars because of our, our schedules and, and our busy lives. So, you know, you have to take into consideration the, of everything that goes on is like, yeah, even even those on the highest of mountain are, are, are weak at times. And yeah. I don't want to call it weak. I no, can't say no. it weak. That's not a good way to word it. But, you know what I'm saying, just sometimes you have to realize that, hey, man, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. You I, know, I just remember, you know, when you're growing up, not just like celebrities, obviously they look like a big deal because they're uh, everyone's portrayed as a big deal. Yes. Like if someone's a celebrity, they have been made larger than life. Yes. And you look at them and you're a fan of them. But even on like a smaller level, I can remember like growing up and you think that your parents have everything figured out and you look at them and they're your hero. I know you talk a lot about like your dad, your right. dad's your hero. Uh, but the more that you look at it as you get older, you start to realize that that's from the eyes of a child, or mm-hmm. that's from the eyes of an outsider. Parents, celebrities, all Man. all people are—they're just regular people. You know, I, I always my dad was always like up there, but like until I had a family of my own mm-hmm. and bills of my own and and my own paychecks and struggles, it's like you really don't realize how big of a hero my dad was yeah. growing up, right? Because it, it's tough, and, and and he made it. So, yeah, man, it's I can't I can't put into words what it's like to 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 see uh, our bills, their bills, and everything growing up, uh, and, and seeing on this side of things as a dad myself. You know, you really respect that, and your heroes come to light yeah. older later in life. It's oh, like whether it, you know whether a celebrity or your parents. You come to the realization eventually when you're older and you look from the, you know, a different perspective that they're just human beings and they're just trying to, they've got their, you know, they get up and they, they tie their shoes the same way that we do and they make mistakes and they're just trying to live their life and make the right decisions that they can. And, uh, you know, in, in a parent's perspective is like, man, I'm just trying not to screw these kids up. I'm telling them. What I, you know, kind of like we were talking about with our with our students, yeah. they're kind of like our kids, and we try to tell them what we've done wrong or things that they can do so that they don't make mistakes in life. And you know, it's the same thing that our parents do. They just try and guide us. Uh, and but these heroes, all of them, they're just normal human beings trying to get through the world. Yeah, man. You have, to, you have to be considerate of that at times. You yeah. Know? Sometimes sometimes those that are the rock needs a little support themselves. That's it, man. Uh, go ahead and give us a plug for the school. Let's go ahead and get the information out. Oh, since yeah, we for sure. About it's it. Legends Pro Wrestling Academy over there in Cynthia, Kentucky, 101 Hingston. Uh, we train every Sunday. 
you can email me at Legends Pro Wrestling Academy at gmail.com or simply send a message to the Facebook page or reach out to you, reach out to me directly, and we'll be more than happy to get you set up where you need to be. Yeah, and I get a lot of people that are always asking about, like, the tuition and what goes right. into it. Maybe we go ahead and just cover that now. Yeah, so I mean, it's, 300, it's $300 down and $100 per month. It's, it's pretty simple. It's just like a gym membership. Uh, you just go and, 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 you know, sometimes we have camps, sometimes we have seminars, shows, schools, everything, you name it, we got it. You know, it teaches everything there is about pro wrestling. Yeah. And, and let them know, you know, because a lot of people just go, I want, I want to be a wrestler. And sometimes you get like, I get it a lot of times at the shows after it's over, they're so on fire from what they saw and they're like, I can do that. And usually those people aren't serious, but you will get messages from random people. Until we meet them, we don't know what their intentions are. So maybe just let the people out there listening know what it actually takes to be a professional wrestler, at least in the Legends Pro Wrestling Academy. Definitely. What they're going to have to expect. I think that you should expect to have a good attitude because we don't don't bid well with – with the bad attitude, you'll find that that you either change to a good attitude or you'll find yourself a different school. You know, uh, I feel that come in, you should expect uh, some tough skin, but you should also expect, you know, a hug and shoulder as well. You know, we are family. Uh, uh, I think that that we're there to get the very best of you, not only as a pro wrestler, but just as a person in general. I think that's a difference. Uh, a lot of people think that pro wrestling school, you just come learn hip tosses. Well, here, you know, you notice I get on these big, long tirades there before I class. That's 45 minutes long at because times. Because that's you connecting to the person, yeah, and, not just that. Okay, well, let's get in here and learn a hip toss. It's, well, it's because at that point in time, the bigger lesson might come from outside of that wrestling ring that has nothing to do with wrestling that I have to get out at that time. It's just the way that it's just the way that I'm set up is like, if I know that you come to me with a hardship as big or small and I have an idea, I can't as little as it is. I can't, I can't not say, Hey, well, what if you tried this? Or, you know, what if you done this? You know, and I, I might not have zero experience. I can just go off of what comes to my mind as to how it could get better. Yeah. And that's what I do. I can't help. You know, it's, I, I just want to see, people do well in life yeah and and, and enjoy pro wrestling well, we along t- the way we talk about it all the time and we just say we want you to become your very best you possible that's, to get out of wrestling what it is that you want to get out of wrestling that's, God's honest truth. that's it leaving wrestling better than we found it. it you know it's a great little catchphrase but at the end of the day it's not just trying to sell memberships I want people there that want to be there. I like that, and too, and plus we kind of give them on-the-job training. Is is when they're ready, you know me, man. I I try to get them out there, and you know I, I'm in touch with um, promotion, bookers, owners, you name it. You know I, I always try to get them booked. You try to get them booked. We always try to get these guys and girls the most opportunity possible with not only our shows but the connections that we've made throughout the last 20 years as well. Hey, that's it. We're always trying to give back, and we're going to give back right now. We were talking about booking. I booked a couple commercials here. Boy. I can't wait to hear them. We're going to go to break right now, and we're going to get back, and we're going to get to the heart of the matter. We're going to talk about some uh, COVID-19, how yeah. it affected the world, how it yes. affected you, me, pro wrestling, impact, and then we're going to get into some Wrestle House. Yes, sir. What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to Skullface Records Radio. You guys want to help and maybe own some of your own Skullface Records merch? Dude, we got mad CDs for $10 a piece. CDs like the Next to Nothing, Valenian Split, Brian Himes' 2020 release with Skullface Records, my newest release, Nick Nasty, Ryan the Lion, 
the Kentucky's Underground, the Kentucky's Underground um, comp series, one through six, those are available right now. $10 shipped straight to your door. Swamp Tanashi, One Part Madness, Anonymous, Cannibalistic, Death Cult. Also, at Skullface Records, we have a whole bunch of cool shirts that are going to be available for $15 shipped. Now, we had a lot of overstock, so the custom colors might not be exactly what you want, but they're $15 shipped right now. Hit me up on Facebook or at nickhimes at gmail.com to make your orders now. Also, through Lord Thaddeus, we have some patches, we have some stickers available. Like I said, just hit me up on Facebook or at nickhimes at gmail.com. That's N-I-C- H-I-M-E-S at gmail.com to make your orders now. Don't forget also to check out all of our shows, our programming, our new music releases, our podcast shows. You can see all that on our YouTube page, all over Facebook. Check out our Skullface Records Bandcamp. That's skullfacerecords.bandcamp for all of our new music releases. You can download, get the digital side of Skullface Records through our Bandcamp. This is Nick Nasty, and thanks for tuning in to Skullface Records Radio. We're back. I love those commercials, by the way. Yeah. You know, I, I always shout go back. out Skullface Records. That's it. I always go back after the show, and I like to watch the commercials. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, I listen to the whole thing, just see how we did. Always look at the comments. Uh, feel free, do a like, subscribe, comment. Uh, you know, send in your questions. We got a lot of questions. We're gonna get to later on. Uh, ask I gotta, anything. You know, I, I want to double back on something I was talking about earlier because I didn't go in a lot of detail, and that was for a reason. Uh, you know, we missed. Uh, last week's show, we kind of ran a little bit late, uh, and I told the people I would let them know what was going on, and uh, we had uh, some of our people in production actually caught COVID-19, oh, and no. it made it to where we couldn't get uh, into the studio, and that's a, it's a worldwide epidemic, and a lot of people are like, ah, you know, the masks are off, and it's over, yeah. but no, it's amping no, back man, up, it's and amping back up. Uh, you know, it hit us here, and it was it actually made for a great segue into what we're talking about today. Uh, you know, we're talking about the COVID-19 era. Uh, you know, it's not quite over, but you go to Impact Wrestling, and you get there, and there's people everywhere, and there's the giant production, yeah. and it's like nothing you've ever experienced before. And then COVID hits, and now you got to do your thing, but you got to do it in front of an empty arena. There's nobody there, and yeah. you've got to act and perform uh, and do all this stuff that you're not used to doing. Uh, and, you know, that includes – where you can actually just kind of cut in the middle and Man, come back. you know, really and A lot truly, of cool things. That was my boom time, though. Like, my thing is, like, I always got over in front of a live crowd. But that was my boom time is whenever COVID era was going and just wrestling empty sets, you know. And, yeah, you're right. You know, when you go to commercial break, it's like, stop. And then you got your countdown. We're back in three, two, and then you're, you're, you're kicking the shit out of them in heat. You know, <laughs> little, it's, it's definitely something that I was never thought I would do. Yeah. Little Billy kayfabe out there is going, what do you mean? Oh my gosh. What do you mean? Why did you stop? It's like, well, <laughs> we're in commercial. It's, it's like when, when the show fades to black, nothing happens till next week. Yeah, man. I watched a family guy episode, uh, just the other night. And there, there's a part at the end where, uh, Peter's in trouble. 
And he just starts sitting there. He starts just sitting still. And Lois goes, Peter, what are you doing? And he just sits there. Lois goes, are you waiting for the screen to fade to black? You can't do that. And he just sits there, and all of a sudden it fades to black, and we get the credits. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that's the way business works. That's it. Yes, yeah. sir. You can always but, just stop. Man, it was different. We were talking earlier just about the procedures of, of even able to get to the studio. Yeah. Was, did you did you prefer the do you prefer the live atmosphere? Or do you prefer what, nobody without there? a shadow of a doubt the live atmosphere? And and then though there is no stop. You got to keep no, going constantly. No, no, man. Just but just the procedures alone of like if you remember that time, no one was really on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, would I can have remember. To, yeah, I can remember getting on the road, and it looked like a scene from The Walking Dead. Right, you'd I, be there'd be one car, and there'd be nobody anywhere around. You'd be driving through Lexington or a big city, and you see absolutely. Nobody. I, it was. It was kind of like some Walking Dead shit. Yeah, and, and I remember we would get. You know, you'd have to get your your essential paperwork. In order to travel, and and not just there, just everywhere. In everywhere. The world. No, I'm talking I'm, from from in order for me to drive from Kentucky to Tennessee if I were yeah, to get pulled which you, over, which you've done a hundred times. Yeah. you know, and now it, you know it, it was like a horror movie. You Did you see, ever think that you would live in a world where people had to wear masks constantly you, to interact? That the world would shut down, businesses never would close, and. It just, I never, ever, you would think that kind of thing only happens in a movie, right. and then we live through we it. We live through it. Yeah. yeah. It's it's scary. You but know? go ahead. You are talking about the, the protocols and how you yeah, even well, get there. Yeah, well, you would have to get your paperwork emailed to you as a Tennessee essential worker for, like, television production. They deemed it essential. Mm-hmm. And then when you got to a hotel, you would check in. You couldn't go to your room. you go directly up to a wing upstairs you get your COVID test, you go wait in your room, go back down, and they, they, if they call you, you knew you were good. You go back down, get your bracelet, and go. But if you didn't, you know what I'm saying, or however it works, if you got the call that you were negative or you were positive, you just stay in your fucking room. Yeah. And it was like, even though you couldn't tell who, you know, like they couldn't tell, the company couldn't tell who tested positive. You could you look could around. Tell they were just you could look around in the, in, the, in the room and be like, well, that guy's not here, but I seen him. So, you yeah. know, you would just assume that it's he like had he's, COVID. It's not that he's not booked on this loop. It's a, he, he's yeah, not. Exactly. He, he ain't leaving that room. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tough. You have, As far as, like, eating, you know, you couldn't just, could not just go to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, so what I would do is I would just go to the Walmart as soon as I got down there and get all everything that I need and just stay in my damn room and uh, go to TV the next few days, and that was it. You did know, you, you have, really couldn't do anything. Did you ever have to go through the uh, quarantine process? Did you ever have to, like, no. be kept off TV? N- well, no, just when AC when – AC, got COVID. That was, that was the only time. But as far as now, when he, when he said, Hey bro, I, I, I just tested positive for COVID. I obviously stayed the fuck away from everyone. And that was and before you guys had even left, right? You didn't get there. And then he got uh, put into a room. Oh no, 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 no. He, he didn't know like he, his, his test when we got there was po- not positive, but it was negative. You know, he was good to go. Mm-hmm. And then that like we got home on a Monday, he, called me on Tuesday and said, hey, I just I haven't felt well or whatever. Someone someone that he was around tested positive. And just to be safe, you know, he didn't have any kind of symptoms, any, none of that, you know. He, and, and he had, had passed the, the test for TV. But, you know, we went home and then got one at home and it was negative. And then from there, we never really made it back to TV at that point. Yeah, and it can happen like that. You either get a false positive or a false yeah. negative. Uh, sometimes those take-home tests aren't that great. Sometimes you got to right. go into the hospital. But 
you just you never know, and it could be you know the plane ride home, yeah. anything. You come in contact with somebody for a few seconds, and then you don't have your mask on, or no. even you could have your mask on and get it. I know that. Uh, I had caught COVID and I, I was vaccinated. I remember yeah. everything, and and I'm down for two it just, weeks. You just it don't know the worst you know. sickness I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah, man, it's 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 definitely uh, terrifying at times. You know, my, I remember my dad. You know, my dad, and my mom, they they try everything. And he's a rock, man. He yeah. he's not trying to get sick because yeah. he don't register weakness. I remember that that he thought he had COVID one time. I heard like cracking his voice and like he thought he was dead. You know, it's got it's got so many people scared. Like that's a death wish. At that time, if you got COVID at, at above 50, 60 years old, man, like people were just that's a death wish. You know, but even even just killing people down in their teens, twenties, I don't think it shows no prejudice as far yeah. as. And COVID's yeah. a bad word. Like some YouTube uh, people, they won't even say it mm-hmm. because you'll get demonetized so quickly. Really? Uh, yeah. So that's, the thing is, is a, hey, we'll just we just we'll say it, and because that's what it is, we're well, just telling a story. We're, we're gonna always set glorifying up like a, it. If if they demonetize our video, let's just set up like a GoFundMe and like they can donate to the podcast. Hey, that's it. Amp but this you, shit up. But you know, if you really want to help out the podcast, what you can do is you can watch these commercials. Yes. So you know, sit through them. Don't skip ahead because you're gonna miss something, and you you never want to miss a thing. Right. What are, what they used to say back in the day? We'll give you the seat, but all you need is the edge. The edge. We'll be right back. <laughs> Heck, it's Joe's Kitchen. Buy your stuff from Skullface Records. Get off your asses and do it. So, did you have to, uh, you know, change your way of life? I mean, obviously everybody did, but I mean, as far as wrestling goes, how did you feel you would walk into a locker room, whether it was Impact or whether you're still trying to take... Uh, independent dates, which a lot of guys did. did. A lot of guys slowed down. How I, did you change your lifestyle? I, I amped up my dates because I knew that other people would would start to take them off, you know. And, and unfortunately, I wasn't financially in a position that I could just take off. It was either uh, not not go out and sacrifice myself, and you know, not get on these airplanes, or go back out there and, and weld. But the thing is, is wherever you go is you'd see people in dressing rooms. And, and at that time, man, I, I wasn't afraid. I'm like, man, you need to put that shit on. You know, whether you believe in this or not, we're still in this little room here. And, like, this is my living. And, and this is – so when I would go home, I would make sure. I mean, I would always make sure everything – I had hand sanitizer in my gear bag. I always had two or three, four masks on, on reserve. You know, you couldn't – a lot of that stuff is I don't want to get my family sick. And – uh, so I felt that, you know, I'd come home for a day or two and just kind of, I, I would distant, but not distant. Yeah. And you, you know, and you had to stay healthy. I wanted to make sure that I was good. Yeah, man. Family. That's it. That's, that's the thing is like, well, if you're it's down, your you walk on eggshells every week and, you know, we're like, man, I hope, I hope I don't go in here and I have COVID and I don't know about it, you know? And, and, and you walk on eggshells every week because that's your living. It's kind of like, I don't know if I'll be able to work this week or not, especially if I, if I fail this test here, you know? Yeah. How did you have to change up, like, your in-ring? 
uh, or did you change up your in-ring for uh, the difference between no crowd and live crowd? I think I don't think I did. I think I just treated as if there was a crowd there. You know, a lot of guys need that, like, feel of the crowd. But I, I, I don't know. I guess I naturally knew, like, well, here's where the crowd would be. Here's here. I know they would come up here, you know. So I think that you got to, you know, when you're watching, you know, or when you're putting your match together, you would think like, how would I, how would I, how would I portray this as a fan? How, how me as the wrestler, how would I want to watch this as a fan? And it makes it a little more tough, a little more difficult to, you know, put together. But really and truly, I, once you got in the zone, the first, the first time that I did an empty set, I was scared to death. It's kind of like riding a bike, but then once you ride the bike and you let your hands go a little bit, it's like, well, fuck, I can ride this thing. And, and you know, it's, it's like anything else, man. It's, it's no different than when you were training. Coming up, when you train, you're training in front of nobody, you know. So now you really got to be good and be able to do that because there's a red light in the television screen. Yeah. Uh, Carl Anderson said he loved uh, Empty Arena. He said yeah. because he said those were the shows he could come without the, going to the gym that yeah. morning, <laughs> without putting on a tan. Yeah. He could just put on whatever. He said, because whatever. He's like, there ain't nobody there. He's like, Man. we retape, we go do our thing. And yeah. uh, no pressure. No pressure at all. He looked like a rock star because the Edgar's made Because he is a good. fucking rock star. <laughs> That's it. I yeah. love Carl Anderson. Man, he's Shout one of my favorite people. Yes, sir. Him and Gallows both are some of my favorite people. Yeah, I love Gallows. Uh, we recently had uh, Gallows in uh, to Gen Next Wrestling, our anniversary show. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, before we uh, go any further, I want to kind of touch back. I don't know if this was during the uh, COVID era or if it wasn't, but you had a series that started on July 7th with uh, the Deaners. Yes. Uh, it was this whole story. This is bef- this before Wrestle House, uh, basically the, the first part of July. So July 7th and July 14th, you had contests with the Deaners, and both times they beat you guys. And the first time they beat you guys, it was, uh, you know, just a match. They win, whatever. Um, Up to this point, they're not particularly pushing you guys as baby faces. They're not really pushing you guys as heels. You guys are just a team, and you're big, and you're aggressive, but you just feel the role that you're intended for. Uh, But then on the uh, July 14th match, once it's over, you guys lose to the Deaners. You see that you guys are, are you're done with being the team that takes the fall. You finally see a little, uh, you know, mean side. We already talked about you guys are big guys. You're aggressive already, but you attack them after the match. You and AC, and you put the beat down on them. And, uh, you know, most people would say, okay, right there is the first actual indication of what Triple XL is going to be going forward, and this is supposed to be a big, giant heel turn, and you guys are on them, and you make your statement, you leave them laying. Uh, we, we know that, that going forward, there there's not a lot of follow-up there. You would think that that right there is to kick off to something big. Yeah, I um, think that was the second missed opportunity mm-hmm. that, that we could have had. I think the first we spoke about last week where I feel – you know, instead of that four-person tag, we could have, like, dropped the three of them and, you know, not putting us over. It would have put us over. We needed that steam. I feel like it would have done good business moving forward out of Atlanta. And then they didn't do that. I feel like here we are again. Now now we got these two big aggressive heels. Here we are, same thing, front and center, biggest tag team, you know, combined weight there. And, and I feel like we was off to the races. But like you say, it just, you know, we turned on them. And then next thing you know, it was kind of, stale again after that yeah it was over and you guys went into wrestle house which we're going to talk about and uh yeah obviously your animosity continued in wrestle house but 
it was kind of made more of a, a side story. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, here are these two big. Well, if you remember a, a comedy type thing, if you remember that time that Wrestle House came out, think about the time frame when Wrestle House season one came out. That's when all of these like big releases. Remember when they was releasing everybody in the WWE, and this is when the Good Brothers had signed, and you know they had, they had taped Nashville, but but Wrestle House was like a secondary, you know, more so for those that didn't have much creative, but it keeps them on TV. That's kind of what it, well, obviously you had some of the ups that were on the main, but mostly it was just kind of keep those busy while, while they figure out what they're going to do with the new incoming talent. And it was, it was, it was something I think that they didn't think would take off like it did and end up being something really cool to where they come back to a season two. Yeah, it was definitely internet hot. It definitely yeah. uh, created a lot of memes. It created a lot of uh, little things that you wouldn't think. It was like a, an underground swelling of people that yeah. there, were, there were the people that hated it and there were the people that loved it. It was just according to if you took yourself or if you took wrestling too serious, which I, I've been on both sides of the fence, so I understand it. Uh, for me watching it, obviously, I, I really enjoyed it because I, yeah. I just took it for what it was. I understood right. that it was comedy and it wasn't meant it to was. be taken serious. Uh, give us your opinion. You know, while we're talking about it, you had this series with the Deaners. Uh, tell me about the Deaners. You got Cody, Cody Deaner, and you got Jake something. Yeah. Uh, I think what Cody was he, Jake Deaner. Is that what he was? Uh, no, at the it time? Was, yeah, it was cousin Jake. Yeah, oh, cousin yeah, Jake. Cousin yeah. Jake and, and, and man, he was he was a he's a monster. Like he he's big. He he's big on TV, but you really don't see how the physical specimen that he is. He reminds me of like a like someone that probably wouldn't that's not made like a like Shane Mercer, right? Yeah. You know, very, he's just fucking jacked. Very and athletic too. He's athletic. Like he can get off his feet, he's got jumps. Mm-hmm. And uh, both very talented guys. Very, yeah, and Cody Deaner, who's seasoned vet, he's been there. He's already he was with Impact several many years before. He had let, got let go. He came back. You know, so so seasoned was 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 there for him and the tag team. But he 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 was there to help lead Jake something, I feel. And he did a very good job at that, and they made a decent little tag team. Uh, those are great guys, like some of my favorite people. I know that Jake lives in that gym. Like he and Rohit Raju and Ethan Page, man, they used to go and they would live in that gym. Him and there were four, then Josh Alexander, and man, they would snap pictures outside of every gym. You could tell like they really cared about their bodies. What did you, you think know? about the matches and the team itself? Oh, the team itself was great. The the team itself, I thought they had a good little gimmick. I thought they were over. I'm not sure why the park came or why the split came though. I can't. I, I thought that they, they, they could have been, you know, really impact wrestling world tag team champions for a long run, I feel, because they had the potential and, and they were good enough. I think that we know that sometimes we see a certain way, fans of see a certain way. I'm sure they see a certain way for themselves, yeah. but if creative don't see it, you know from personal experience, if yeah. they don't see it, they just don't see it. And there's so nothing you can do about they that. they thought there was more money right. in the uh, individuals. Uh, you look at Cody now, he's gone with Violent by Design, and he's done well. You know, he's got Eric Young, Joe Dorn. I don't know the product yeah. as well as and, I would. And, but And his backstage stuff even more, you know, yeah. because he's an agent, right? It's, yes, he's, he's a very good agent, too. You know, I, I like 
no, even before I knew him, just just talking with him professionally, I always felt that he would be a great backstage producer agent. Yes. Uh, now, as far as as Jake something, I'm not sure. I think his contract since expired. Yeah, he's, uh, he's he may have done right a couple now. AEW darks or something, but now I'm not sure. I hope he's doing well. Man, you talked about like dedicated to the gym and those guys. Yeah, I worked out with you. I you know we still work out occasionally, not as much anymore, but. Man, talk about dedicated to the gym. You were pushing it at this point. Yeah. You were up in your game. You had was, your phone going, taking video. You were fighting. making sure you wanted the world to see, and you were giving out the positive messages. Yeah, but ultimately, I think you were like, look at this impact. Yeah. Look at what, I I, look at what I'm say, doing. Look, man, it. don't forget about me over here now. You know, uh, I was asked to get in the best shape of my life, so I want to let them know I'm still over here. And it just it never worked. I mean, I I can't say it ever worked. Because I think I think it worked as far as I for me, you personally for your life. Let in me general, yeah, let me go right. back and let me go back and re, let me let me let me retract what I just said there. I yeah. didn't I didn't go to the gym just on mere fact. Oh yeah, of that. But I, you would think that you know, well, it's hey a man, push. it's a drop. I know, I know, I'm the best I've ever been. I mean, I'm I'm on the signed deal, and I know that they they know they got me coming back, and they're gonna be happy with them because man, they were praising me. I lost so much weight. I was, you know, they were praising me, and I, I I would have sworn like, hey man, I got something coming here. I know they're gonna let me unleash soon enough. Yeah. Hey, you know, the, the difference between friends and business, right? You're right. And it's like, hey, we can like you. You, We, can, yeah, man, we talk about it all the time. There's lots of guys that we would take fishing, but not quite sure that uh, sharing a ring with them would be the best thing in the world. <laughs> they, may have wanted me to, they may have just wanted me to wet a line. That's it, brother. You, you would be the ultimate uh, fisherman yes, as sir. long as you don't tip the canoe. There's your gimmick. There you go. Let me fucking fish or something. Hey, if it was if it was 1982, Vince McMahon would have had the fishing cap <laughs> on you. You'd have had the reel, and uh, you'd have probably been like learning the junkyard dog to a few. Shit. Hey, they had me spraying fucking shit cologne on me on TV, I, so you know I would do it. That's it, man. So let's talk about Wrestle House. Okay. Uh, not not just like what the people saw on TV, but yeah. I know that you you told me it was pretty cool. You pull up to like this, yeah. this warehouse it in was the middle in, of nowhere. We, we taped in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, just share and, your stories. On uh, it was down there in the Queen's COVID era, and I had gotten a script emailed from office at midnight. And you mean the rundown, the format, I not got the, the script? Format. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so so I got reading through it, and I'm like, Lawrence. The fuck is Lawrence D? <laughs> and then I got reading that I'm like falling in love with Rosemary. How'd that hit at home? Well, I did. I, I was kind of scared to tell Paige the next day, you know. Uh, but you know, I got reading it, and, and and the gist was that that she was gonna, you know, put this love spell on me that trying to make Johnny that made Johnny Bravo, Bravo jealous. jealous because you know it had nothing to do with me that she didn't really love me or want me. Yeah. It was just the fact that I was like a you know just this little nobody that yeah. she could you know put a little spell because on. Because at the beginning, I remember like you guys were just like. The fat yeah. guys in the background, like eating and drinking yeah. and right. lounging around, and then you broke out with the okay, hey, let's just pick between these two guys, yeah. you know, on the show, obviously. And she just grabs you, puts a spell on yeah. you, and you and man, completely make a uh, big turn there. Yeah, I would, I would say go back and watch that season. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but when I pulled up, I was thinking that we're going to get in like this big nice house and it's going to be like this mansion and this, that, and another. So they, they give you the direct, like they give you the address and I put it in my GPS and I'm driving. I was like, 
man, this is a fucking like warehouse or distillery or you yeah, know, you're this, gonna tell them you're lost. This is can't be. And then I go up, and then there's a ring, and I was like, well, this has got to be the the place. And I go in, man. It's like this underneath. They've got all kinds of like props, and like you could tell it's yeah, like, it's like a real studio. Yeah, and and what it is is the guy bought the property and turned it into like a recording studio for things like that. And yeah, then you say there was like ambulances, all man, sorts. Man, they of had props. everything: props, motorcycles, like a little like like the Ghostbuster ambulance, you know, yeah. like the station wagon. They had something like that yeah, down Hector there. One. And then you go upstairs. You go upstairs, and then there's like an open room, and then there's a kitchen, and then you know, but they're not. Not like you know full house kitchens, yeah. but you know yeah. But on TV, you enough watch to get it, by. it looks like yeah. you're in this mansion. And, and like I remember, like the stairs went up. You would think like at Russell House, leads to nowhere. You would think it leads to like an upstairs house, but yeah. really it's just a fucking upstairs. Just at the top of the stairs, there you go. That's it. There's, there's nothing an, there. There's an alternate dimension where you go upstairs and you just never come back. Yeah. And then you go around the corner, and it's like uh, Sue Young's pit of hell, you know. Oh goodness! But man, we got there, and and it was what hot. You, what is that? It was hot. It was yeah, it was hot. hot. In that pit of hell. It was well, yeah. But I'm saying it was hot in that fucking place you too, all, because it wasn't the, air conditioned. Yeah, y'all had the monster abyss locked in there, didn't you? Yeah, he was in there somewhere. I didn't see him. I seen him on TV. I, on TV, he appeared. Uh, but I, I'd like to have seen him. He's one of my real good buddies. I wonder what happened to that guy. I don't know, man. I heard he's doing well. I know. I heard he just got lost in Stanford. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say that his bank account uh, says it's worth it. Uh, hey man, I get lost any day. But we got there, and like I'm reading this, you know. Then then they've got like the the script, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, stacked up. So I'm starting to read it again, and like I'm like, how am I going to hit these lines? I've never done anything like this. This is straight acting, you know. And, and, you know, when we got changed, and it, I, I was not comfortable with the Lawrence D character right away. No, because I knew, like, man, it's tough. I, you know, I'm this big, burly, fucking rawr. And, and I remember telling Paige, like, well, you know, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm going to fall in love with another woman on TV. And she's like, what the fuck? Why are you shitting me? You know, all this shit. And, but I, she still hasn't watched those episodes. But man, you know, here's the thing I'll say about my wife is is like she's she's just as much a pro about it as I am. You know, she 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 understands what it is and what we're there for. Now, does that mean that she wasn't salty? Absolutely not. She's no. I don't think any woman would be like, sure, go ahead. Yeah. Then, you know. Yeah, you got to get into her shoes and be like, hey, yeah. If you had to watch her on TV, kiss right. another guy. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I wasn't. Even if- <laughs> You know, but yeah, you know, like seeing me locked arm in arm yeah. walking. I'm sure that was tough on her, you know. And, and you know, she she was cool. She she was really she was team player with that, and she knew that that was my job, and, and she knew the business and knows the business, and and she's just as much of a pro as I am, and 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 I'm happy I'm happy for that because it could have went, you know, could have been a big argument. I feel yeah. Well, you know, I, I was thinking about it today. We definitely got to plug Impact Plus. Yeah, you can man. go back to Impact Plus and you can uh, get on there. You can watch all of yeah. your matches. You can watch all of Wrestle House. You can go back. You can watch the Jeff Jarrett's, the Kurt Angles. Uh, you can get down. You can go back to the Asylum days and see, it's you know, like, Ken what, Shamrock. Dollar ninety nine a month or something. It's it's great. I've got it, and I'm I'm glad they just somehow they keep subscribing, they keep subscribing me every month. You. And, hey. uh, I just don't have the heart to tell them no. Hey. I, I got it because you joined Impact and uh, you left. And you listen, know don't you like be afraid I, to tell them no. They'll I, tell you no anytime. I feel like I'm a part of the family. I feel like you, I'm still a part of the Don't you be afraid to tell them no. No, man, I'm happy. I I I think it's a great thing that they've got. Really, I do. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I love Impact. I can't, I can't sit here and knock them. I've had a lot of good times with them. So, I mean, Impact Wrestling it changed my life. It really did. It wouldn't allow me to be sitting here on, a, on an afternoon uh, with you doing this. Otherwise, I'd still be up there miserable thinking about how I'm going to do something else, you know. Yeah. Uh, but Impact Wrestling opened them doors. Just like Skullface Records opens these doors. So, we got to open doors to a commercial break right oh, now. And we're going to be we right go. back. You see what I just did right there? Took my Skullface, I'm on you, baby. Uh-oh. Some creepy guy is stalking you in the parking garage at 3 a.m., but you're not worried because you have a Bright for War Industries knife strapped to your belt. Don't be a victim in this crazy world. Protect yourself. Carry a knife made by Bright for War Industries. It may save your life. Hi, this is Josh for Bright for War Industries. I'm a professional knife maker with 15 years experience. If you're looking for a unique gift or a high-performance piece of cutlery for the kitchen, the field, or for personal protection, look no further. Look for me on Instagram at Bright for War. salty that you took my spot going into break there. I had to, I had to this, steal it. Uh, that right there is just like when you went to Impact and me and you were teaming as Everything Legendary and you replaced me. You recasted me with AC Romero. How'd that turn out for you, I buddy? had to get a little more meat on the bones. You know? It was a lot of meat on the bones, but yeah. you know, both of you went through a transformation. Uh, both of you lost a lot of weight. A lot of you were, com- you guys were just, you were committed to what you were doing. And uh, we were talking about Wrestle House, and that's something else that you gave your full commitment to. Uh, how did you finally get into the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to do this Lawrence D thing, even though it's not me? Well, one thing about me, and I'll say for myself, is I feel like I have a very good range, and I feel like I can I can shift gears pretty good. And, and it's something about just developing who that character is. Like I knew, I knew that version of Larry had to be in there somewhere. So I just had to go find it and bring it to television. So yeah, yeah, I just had to be that suave, arrogant, you know, think I'm the sexiest, prettiest man alive that I did anyway on Twitter or wherever else I was going posting half naked selfies. What did what did the ring rust actually smell like? Was it anything? Was it just water? It smelled like shit, man. What are you talking about? Uh, well, yeah, obviously on the show, but did it actually oh, smell? It smelled like shit. It's ring rust. <laughs> So if we sprayed really? it right no, now, you, you would turn into Lawrence shit, D. You, you spray it right now, you're getting some snatch, boy, because you know. Uh, <laughs> but no, man, really and truly. It We're going to save that for the OnlyFans Patreon exclusive. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, but really and truly, it was just a, I, I had a cologne bottle in my gear bag. You know how you get you know, yeah. on your way out. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, there's ring rust right there. There it is. And we, it's good like, shit, pal. Put some tape over the. Uh, we put some tape over the the logo, and we sprayed it away, and it smelled like shit on TV. But really and truly, it was just you know regular yeah. uh, cologne. And, and, they, and they spray that ring rust, and then all of a sudden you magically transform, and you're no Man. longer the best hand in the house. Now you're the what was what was Lawrence D? Was if if Larry D is the best hand in the house. What is Lawrence D? The Lawrence D one? was a lover, not a fighter. There you go. Yeah, that Lawrence D was a lover, not a fighter, and he he would have his hair, you know, straight, and he had his he had his little suit top on, laid out on laid like out. fur he carpets, his, yeah, he beds. had his gold chain. One time they put me across the fucking table, you know, <laughs> leaned across the table, and I was so fat. There's no lie. I sat across this table, and I was like, "Something's gonna break," because it's like, <laughs> and I was look, and I was like, "Everything all right?" And it's like, "Yeah, don't break the table." 
Don't break the table. But, uh, yeah, you know, Lawrence D was just just that guy. I, I never thought that I would be like this, look at me, I'm sexy, this woman, you know, all women want me. I always thought that any sorts of camera on me in a wrestling ring would have to be this ugly, burly, fist-taughting, you know, 300-pounder. And, and it allowed me uh, a chance to challenge myself. You know, whenever you get there, because, you know, when you get there on TV, your pressure's up a little bit. And and even more so when it's it's uh, something that you're not comfortable with. And I was very uncomfortable uh, with Lawrence D starting out. But once it's like, hi, this is cool. This You know, once I embraced it for what it was, because I felt like it's just a throwaway, I thought they were just, I oh, just do this to get the fuck, you know. But, but once I, I embraced it and come into it, I had a lot of fun with Lawrence D. It allowed me to, that's where I become friends with, like, uh, this crazy Steve, Rosemary, her name. Because we spend a lot of time there on the sets, you know, just joking and laughing and, and, and missing missing lines and you know yeah. <laughs> making silly faces while the camera's running and someone's someone's on set, you know, stuff that you would expect anywhere else. What you know? was the shooting schedule like, and what was it like to shoot each of the different type of scenes? And you know, I know you were already used to it, but like, if you weren't in a scene, did you just feel like you had to wait all day? Oh yeah, you're waiting. That's you're just waiting. You, you, and what I would do is, you know, wait and go over my. I, I would know what's coming, so I would make sure that at least I would know what to expect as far as, you know, my scenes next. Because they they would record it, you know, going down the line there, and and you know, my my scene might not be till hours in, but I wanted to make sure that I had an idea of what I was doing. So so, I mean, you could go do it the hell you wanted. You could go text you could go uh call your wife call yeah. your you know Long whatever you and, and i would do that and i'm just like anyone else but I, I wanted to make sure that that i knew where i was at because i was very you know new to like lines and you know all of that and and fortunately uh rd down there was was great with with being patient with all of us and and they was really impressed with what we did for not having any like, acting experience, I guess you would say. Yeah, and, and I don't know when we'll get a chance to talk about it again. And some of the people at home may not know, so uh, tell them who R.D. is. R.D.'s the producer backstage. He, uh, he He's one of the creative guys, real real nice guy. I, I didn't really get like, close with any of those guys, but like just really good to work with. You could tell like he worked. I, I guess he had did some work with the WWE as well. And and was really up there, and I don't know what happened, but but I mean he's he's talented. He knows his shit, man. Like he he's good at at getting people together and and getting it done. You know that's what takes a good producer. You can write them all day, but getting them getting them in and getting the content on 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 film is is another thing. Yeah, you got to work with a lot of really amazing people in your time at Impact. Yeah. Uh, you got to do a really cool like sit down interview with uh, David Penzo. Oh right? yeah, that was really cool. Like that was actually one of my promo days to where we just cut like a minute and a half promo, and Penzer's like, "Hey Larry, you want to uh, come?" Say sure, you know. And yeah, I what's got to that sit like? Down. And you're sitting there talking to the the voice of WCW. Yeah, David man. Penzer. Like yeah, he's really. One of the nicest guys and like i remember in vegas sitting talked to him for two hours at tgi fridays just about you know getting back where i was at and how proud of me that he was and how much weight i had lost and what i liked about penzer is like he didn't sugarcoat nothing but he was nice as can be you know he would just tell you like this is brutal business he's like people like you that that got off it's hard it's hard for them even to come back at all as, as and like you said as nice as you are he's like you're a great guy he's like it's, he's like i'm glad to see you back and, and you know i was i was happy to everybody see always hopes back. the best for you. yeah man every oh yeah yeah everyone was super nice to and me i think there. even now i think that like 
you obviously, I don't know, a lot of people are probably watching this waiting for you to, you know, shit on the company or to say right. something that they can be like, oh, right there, there's a there's a thumbnail we can run with. There's right, I'm made. sure. Uh, but you don't have bad things to say about the company, the people in the company, uh, and the company doesn't have anything bad to say about right. you. You seem to have parted on yeah. uh, mutual terms because, you, like, they didn't fire you. Yeah, I was texting with Dreamer last away. week. Yeah. So I mean it's cool. Uh, I would rather I would rather walk away like that, with with just a little scuff on my shoulder or you know a little little pride hurt or a little bit as opposed to just walking away salty because regardless regardless of where I came from or what what my creative was there I still had a hell of a time. The experience was second to none, and I made friends that I never thought I would make. So uh, that alone was worth what we were doing there or me being there in general and it allowed me to do what I do today. So, you know, it's a win-win I feel. Yeah. You're constantly growing. You picked up so much there that you continue to yeah. uh, share. And like I said, you're always constantly growing and changing. Uh, and you know, the biggest change of all, you become uh, Lawrence D and yeah. you're, you're doing this stuff with Rosemary and causing trouble at home, all that type of stuff. Uh, when we get back from break, I want to talk about some of the people that were in the cast that made up Wrestle House. Yeah. Kind of give your opinion on all those people uh, and uh, just what relationship you had with them or maybe currently still have with them. Yeah. Uh, it would be a lot of really fun memories, I think. Of course. So let's go to break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, you know we talked about it going into the break. Uh, talk about uh, who made up the cast of Wrestle House outside of yourself. You know, we talked about it. there's you, there's AC, there's the Deaners, but uh, for anybody that hasn't seen Wrestle House, tell them you know what they can expect and who was on the show. Yeah, I mean, you got Hernandez, you've got uh, Crazy uh, Crazy Steve, Rosemary, Tyre Valkyrie, um, Jordan Grace was there. Uh, Gosh, I can't remember. I mean, there was Johnny Swinger was one of my favorite individuals swing man, of Daddy. all time, uh, who who really is golden behind the camera. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else was in there. What's the what was the the tag team champions? The female tag team champions. One of them still uh, the Madison, Tasha Steeles yeah, and Madison Rain was there. Uh, I want to say that was it for season one. Yeah. I think uh, Johnny Bravo, of course. Yeah. What you know. were your What were your memories of working with these people? And do you have any specific memories for uh, each of them, or any of them that just stood out to you? Maybe people you worked with, and uh, moments that people may want to hear about. Uh, well, you know, just 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 getting to get to know Hernandez alone was 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 great. You know, hearing his stories, and you know, he's a former world champion, and he's been there. And Super Max. Super Max. LAX. Yeah. Like, you know, just really, he's he's real. He's 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 a, he's a real individual. And that's what I like. And, you know, Crazy Steve, obviously, we spoke in the past about our, our loops and how I would hang out with he and Cody Diener. And, uh, no, Tyra, and I, I'd known Tyra from uh, Morrison anyway, you know, and, and she was super sweetheart. And, and just everyone was really cool to get along with. Rosemary knew her stuff. Uh, who else was there? What was it? Black Tarus, maybe he was. Oh yeah, I think he was because yeah, he was like, the, was like I think he was first... reading a book or something during. What was yeah. it like shooting that? Like 
intro scene because I always thought that was really cool when the show would come on and it would show each and every one of you almost like a yeah. sitcom. Yeah. What was it, it like it, filming it's all that? what it was. It's that was when like, you were laying on the table, right? Yeah, you're just like, okay, well, this shot's going to have you laid across the table and that's going to be our intro for whenever we do it. So I need you to lay up here, lay like this, and then the camera spans. Is that good? Okay, we'll take another one. Okay, we'll use one of those two. Both of those are great. And, and then you get you. two seconds on TV and then for an go. hour's worth yes, of work. Sir. Yes, sir. And then you would go and then you still get that paycheck check though <laughs> I know I mean I think it's a really cool process yeah. because nobody knows what goes into like that editing process no I'll tell all you all the work that goes into just to get two seconds and we well that and, and then we did the um the cinematic there with the Deaners that that season which was really cool you know of of those scene shots and and how everything played out and just watching it all come together was was really cool to see the final product of how it was shot and how it was perceived was was really cool what was your opinion on cinematic wrestling I know that eventually it probably got to be that it was too much of it uh you know it was one of those things that got over and so people continued to do it and it was an easy thing to do uh, during COVID, uh, but what was your opinion on cinematic wrestling? Maybe before you did it, and then after you did it, uh, and maybe now it's before, even different. Before I did, I was like, "Man, that's fucking." There ain't no way. And then when I did, it's like, "Hey, this is really fucking cool." To the point that we done one on our Gen X project. Yeah, Gen X TV. Uh, we we did a cinematic. It was a tag match with what Cameron Saturn, Outlast, and uh, yeah, it was Cameron Saturn and Gaston Larue. Against Outlast, against the Native Sons in a yeah. triple threat, anything goes, falls, counts anywhere. Uh, it was the main event of the show. Do you know which episode threat. that was? Uh, I don't I'm have putting the you on the spot. I know. Offhand. Uh, if you, if you know, if our research department would have known that you were going to ask the question, yeah. it's always good in wrestling if things are pre. Was it resurgence? Was it? Was it? Was it a? Was it one of those little specials we yeah, did called I resurgence? Think, I think it was something to that. Nature. So go to it the Gen X. Go to the Gen X YouTube page and and find resurgence. And, and watch that. That was fun. That that yeah. that I when when I when I did that cinematic. That's when I came back to you and was like, hey, I think that we should, you know, we got to, we, let's try it. You know, yeah. it couldn't hurt. I was very proud of how it turned out because I remember the filming process that that just we did with so many cuts and so many takes yeah, that's and the same. so many little things. It's the same. It's like when I'm watching, I'm like, there's no way they cut yeah. this up and it flows. And then yeah. I watched it and I was like, this. Is great because it doesn't come off hokey. Because there are a couple get, of little funny spots to it, but overall it flows as one big match. You get I think only it's one of the best what things you need. We did, yeah, yes. on Gen X TV. I, I feel like it's one. It's definitely something that I'm proud of that that I've done. I've done a lot of like creative with you, and you know whether it be you know wrestling matches, wrestling booking, or just teaching wrestling, and that's one of the coolest things I think that we've collectively three, been a part of. Three great tag teams. We have yeah. really built. The tag division up really good at that point, and it was time for a yeah. blow off. It was time for the three to go all out and give everything they had. And there's stage dives and bathroom brawls yeah. and fighting in the park. Remember, the, your brother even got the swirly. Remember, we yeah. got the swirly in. That was cool. But man, really good guys, and they gave a lot of terrific ideas. And you pieced it together, and it was just a really good piece of business. And uh, I recommend everybody look yes. at it because I think it could really get over. With both sides, whether you're like, so. ah, you know, I don't like the comedy or, uh, you know, ah, okay, the wrestling, whatever it is, yeah. it is a good mix of both. I, I really, and I would have never, direction. I would have never been able to put anything like that together without 
going down experience and what I did at Wrestle House. And, you know, during, I was like, okay, this is, this is not bad. Like, I like this. And then after I completely, you know, was like, yeah, this is cool. You know, but first, like you said, you asked first how I felt about it going in. I was like, oh, man, I don't know how this is going to go. It's going to be. And, and then when I got, I opened, I opened my eyes to it and was, was, you know, willing and accepting, and I, I fell in love with it. I think, I think it's great, you know. Like you said, sometimes I can be overdone. I think, which one was it, Abyss and those guys? Was it, no, the very first one was with Matt and Jeff Hardy, right? Oh, yeah, they did the uh, Hardy of the yeah, compound that was cool. match. So, you know, I watched that. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. You're, and here's the thing. It's like sometimes wrestling's not meant to appeal to just us or just the no. diehards. How many times did your son watch the ultimate deletion? No, probably four or five, I would say. He loved it. Over and over because... He was young then, but he loved that. Sometimes that is, like, it's not for us. Right. And sometimes you just have to accept that, hey, I don't know who they're doing this for, but it it ain't ain't me. But uh, that type of thing can appeal to an outside audience. I think so. Um, And bring people in that go, ah, you know, I don't really care for sitting there watching that. 30 minute or 60 minute classic, like maybe me or you would, but they'll sit there and watch that because they're like, you know what, wrestling or not, that's entertainment. Right. And and then you would, you would even get to do like cinematics at that season. And then we also had like, like I mentioned, when you pull up the ring, it is there on the outside to the left. And yeah. How was it to like cut between doing scene? I'm I'm sure to you it was seamless and on the show it was seamless, but uh, did you guys film all the wrestling at once? Oh, man, or did no, you go went, back and forth? It went straight down. Like, it went straight down script. Like, we just, boom, this one's done. That one's done. Okay. Okay, now, like, you know, if you remember Tommy Dream was like, match time! You yeah. know, it, it literally, it would come down, so we'd shoot shot and say, okay, you, you're, like, I think there was something with me and AC fighting over a pillow. Yes, or, you guys uh, did have a match. I see it uh, on the uh, rundown here is that you and AC Romero on July 19th had a match within Wrestle House. And it was hot as hell outside when we done it. It was like 90 degrees when we was out there. And, and you know, me and AC wasn't little by no means. And we were just sweating around. Uh, but everyone just kind of around the ring. And then they would have, you know, whether it be, I think Kylie Ray may have been our uh, referee. And we would just. Smiley Kylie. Yeah, man. We only had about a minute. We just needed minutes worth of something. Psh, there it was. I think I hit him with a fist and that was it. I won. Mark that win. Larry there D over go. AC Romero. Well, there uh, you go. I'm head of the table when it comes to Triple XL now because I have the win over AC Romero on television. So. Hey, man. The only thing. The angle that never happened. So another memorable match that you had uh, within Wrestle House, we talked about you became Lawrence D. And uh, Lawrence D is in love with Rosemary, and she's using Lawrence D uh, to make Johnny Bravo jealous. Well, that leads to a match that I don't think that many people thought that they would ever see, especially on national television, and that is you against Johnny Bravo in a wrestling match. Yes, yes. Let's Johnny Bravo that. was a stiff competitor. He <laughs> he evidently uh, was was offended at the fact that I was I was trying to in in you know invade on his his relationship with Rosemary, and he, he challenged me to a fight, and he fell victim to the right hand. Man, Wrestle House, I'm telling you, man. Unstoppable. Wrestle House is unstoppable if, for Lawrence if, on, if only they'd have canceled Impact and just ran with Wrestle just House. Just Wrestle House, I'd be the, the Wrestle, Wrestle House, House world champion, champion yes. without without question. No doubt. Uh, you know, the, you talked about the guy saying you're the Hulk Hogan of Kentucky. Well, you're the Hulk Hogan of I'm Wrestle House. I'm the Hulk House, Hogan of Wrestle House, baby. Just spray that fucking cologne. I love it. But, yeah. you know, the thing is, is, you know, we talked about you had the cinematic brawl with the Deaners. Uh, they thought you had stole their beer. 
Yeah. Um, anything. Where's else? our beer? That's it. Yeah. And yeah. they assume that you guys would steal their beer. Yeah, of why course. Would they even think that. Well, I don't know why they would think that, but they sure did that time. I don't know, but you know, the beer was always good there, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it, they. It was a big house brawl, and yeah, everybody's fighting. It's going all over the place. Ultimately. You know, I just go down to the win-loss record. Right. Okay, so you dominated Wrestle House. And and people would say maybe you even dominated the feud. I know they knocked, like, ping-pong balls into you all's mouths and you all spit them at each other and put each other's eyes out. But the the feud, the war within the house ultimately came down to, uh, you know, this isn't me, man. This is just the results. Apparently that brawl was considered a match by Tommy Dreamer. And Tommy Dreamer says that Susie, uh, Sue Young, in her form as Susie, little baby doll dress, uh, she won the she won the brawl. So you do have a loss in Wrestle House to Susie. Well, paranormal powers are a motherfucker, and so she's very powerful with what she uh, possesses, evidently to to capture that win. That's it. We talked about she has a gate of hell. Yeah. That, that apparently the monster abyss is trying I love Susie. I can't imagine anyone else I'd rather lose to. No, she's a sweetheart. Yeah, Rich is great, too. Yeah, talk about Sue Young and just your relationship. Uh, Sue Young is such a sweetheart. Like, I remember how she would see... And, like, I met her at IWA, and I went to the uh, Impact Homecoming and sat, and, you know, you're there, man. You're nervous. You're not nervous, but you don't want to, like, cause a scene. So you're, I'm just sitting by myself, and she came up with Richie and just has been friends with me since that time. And, and her and Richie are great, great people. And, and I'm blessed to know her. She's, she's a great wrestler. She's a great person, great, great people, a uh, great mother. Uh, so I can't say anything negative about Susie for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, another thing that it just came to my mind, a lot of people don't know that before you got signed to impact before you went down and you did your deal, uh, before even like I think the rock star stuff, yeah. Uh, you know, Abyss was really big there within the company, and uh, they had you come down to uh, one of their big pay per views. Yeah, homecoming. Was, he invited me yeah. down. Yeah, he's like, come on down, and you know, I can't promise you nothing, but yeah, he was always big. He 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 would tell me he would he would he was always praising me down there, and like uh, he would let me know that like, hey, other people are praising you too. So yeah. you know, it was really cool to have that kind of connection. But yeah, Abyss was the guy. Like he was the one that's like. Man, you should really think about coming to, you know, hang out at the shows or, you know, try to get, you know, get your name and show face and stuff like that. Yeah, I know before they anybody, know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Before anybody, he was pushing hard. Of for course. You. Yeah. I know that there was a lot of disappointment from you. Like, I don't know if you built it up or what it was going to be, but you got down there and they they just had you sit in the crowd. Yeah. I think you well, somebody got power bombed off the stage. I think I, well, yeah, I got honor. to catch Tyra off stage yeah. and stuff. You know, I don't know if it's disappointed or just like eagerness. Like, you know, at the, when you're around a wrestling ring and you see people in there, it's like, I want in there. I want it now, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I can't say I was disappointed. It's just I, I wasn't eager. I was eager to be in there, you know, and I didn't get my chance. Yeah, and it took a while. How long between that point oh. and them actually saying, Larry D, you need a bigger I yard would say, to play in? I would say it was every bit of two and a half, three years maybe. See, that was, that was in January, so it was probably – I don't know when was that homecoming. Was it 2017? Probably 2018. I think so. I got offered in the end of 19, so about almost two years, I would say. Yeah. And, 
and that just made you even more hungry. Yeah, man. This worked even harder. I did, and do. thankfully I got the opportunity to wrestle with a, with quite a bit of the impact talent to where it wasn't just, you know, Justice going down there going, hey, Larry D's a good hand. You know, then you had guys like Sammy Callahan who was down there, Jake Chris, you know, uh, you know, I don't know who else pitched me, but I know I know that several people had pitched me to come do business with Impact before I came and done business with Impact. So that was really cool. Yeah, and now you're, you know, here you are, and you finally get signed, and the crowd, uh, you killed the crowd, man. You get signed, and then oh, all yeah. of a sudden it's empty arenas. I can't put yeah. one person in the building. Well, you know uh, I can sell them out then. That's it. You know, the, the only way to get the crowd back up was to move you to a warehouse. Yeah. So the crowd would come back. How fitting. <laughs> How so, fitting to move me to a warehouse. Yeah, you know? so you go to the warehouse, and you're – you're doing all this stuff. Is there anything else that you really found memorable at the taping process of Wrestle House or any other stories that you uh, think fans would find interesting? I think that, if anything, I think that all reality shows are a work. I, 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 I hate to be that way because I'm big on reality shows, but just mm-hmm. seeing, like, how how you can tape six weeks, eight weeks worth of, you know, 30, 40-minute bits or however long it would be, in a matter of days, I could easily see how, like, you know, I don't know, what is it, UFC, what was that, the, what was the ultimate fighter? I, I could easily see that they could get what what we would see in six months, they could probably get in three, four weeks, I would say. Or, or like even, gosh, I'm a big Survivor fan, so I hope that, hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But, like, I could see, like, Survivor kind of being, like, you know, okay, we're gonna shoot this scene, and y'all go back. But I don't know. I, I, I hope that Survivors is 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 not is a shoot, and not a work, because I fucking love it. You know, like I just coming out of there, I feel that that reality shows are like, man, are they really staying there as long as we think that they're staying there? Because we just shot six, eight weeks worth here in three days. Yeah, you know, hey so. man, you know, it's TV, it's entertainment. And we do it all for the money. And, of course, you know, here in studio, we got to do those type of things, too. We got to pitch to a commercial. So uh, we're going to go to break and we're going to come back. And uh, hopefully we will uh, get a few more comments about Wrestle House before we wrap it up. Yes, sir. Hey, I'm Ryan the Lion. If you want to check out me and my music and my new podcast, Nick's Mayhem Music Review, Go to Skullface Records. So what is your ultimate takeaway from uh, the entire WrestleHouse experience, WrestleHouse itself. What do you want fans to take away from it, and the Lawrence D character uh, and experience? I think I think that what I would want people to take away from it is to sometimes not take something as serious and just enjoy the product for what's offered. I know that some people hated it, some people loved it, some people just didn't care. But at the end of the day, it's part of the product that they put out. I hope that they would take away the hard work, the effort, and everything that went into creating Wrestle House. And and what I take away from it personally is is it it, it growth. It, it made me grow as a performer, made me grow as all the way around because you know it put me in an uncomfortable situation that I felt like I eventually thrived in. It, it helped me know that I can go outside of the box a little bit and, and and still be able to you know 
make make what what you wouldn't think work if that makes sense something that you're 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 a little eerie about something that you may not be as confident in at the end of the day it allowed me to build confidence that I could be something besides Larry D on TV so yeah that's what I got from it yeah, it was really cool for you to be able to show like your distance and yeah. your range, and it showed you that you could be anything or anybody yeah. that you know. If, if anybody random was like, "Hey, I want to bring you here, and I want you to do this," that you would have no fear to go. Of course, not. I can. I can give you that. I can. Doesn't do that. matter. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I swear. Like that's that's one thing that like now, if I were to ever have like a TV uh, experience again, like I, I would feel completely fine going up there, not knowing my creative and having them hand it to me when I got there. I, I really feel that way now, now, uh, probably not before Russell house, but now I feel that I could go up there and, and they just say, well, here's what, here's, here's your gig today. And I, I would be fine. What was the most fun thing that you did and, or like the funniest thing that happened during Russell house? What was the most fun thing that I did? The most fun thing that I did was got to drive around Memphis and see all the crackheads on the way to the warehouse. Um, but, you know, it was just fun in general seeing it come together because I, I, I've always been a reality series fan. You know, my years ago, I would watch Biggest Loser. I would watch, you know, Hell's Kitchen. I would watch any, any kind of, you know, Survivor, obviously, but any kind of reality television show I was watching. And, and to actually be a part of it was a part of one myself down the line was pretty cool. You know, I think that's that's pretty fucking awesome, if you ask me. What was your least favorite thing about doing Wrestle House or maybe even COVID-era wrestling? Um, my least favorite thing was knowing that I was kind of like on on the outside of the, the creative side. You know, there wasn't much going into moving forward where, where I went after that. Uh, I think that was the, the least favorite was the unknown. You know, the, the unknown of tomorrow as far as where we go after this. Yeah. How did they wrap up season one? How'd you guys get back to the real world? <laughs> well, we, we teleported back because, uh, you know, if you remember, there was a wedding. Uh, we'll get, a, yeah, we'll get into that okay. in, the, in the future because uh, I believe that, you know, somebody shot Johnny Bravo. Someone shot Johnny Bravo. And then, like, yes, we teleported back at the end there after all was said and done and we were all – if you remember right, we was in the middle of the ring and we was all had wraps and galls yeah, and everything like, like that on us. It's like the big like high five. Yeah. High five so like we made shot. it back to the impact zone. Yes, we're here. We're out of this fucking world. Yeah. That's it. And in and, and your mind, you're going, no, I was Wrestle House champion. It's like, can we Put stay? I had a mansion. You know, I had a mansion. You know, season, there's even season two. Yeah. I have another mansion. So, yeah. You know, it's like a baby. If uh, ever they come out, they're crying. Uh, if they knew all the hardships that were uh, about to face them in the real world, they'd probably say, put me back. I guarantee you that. <laughs> For yeah, sure. I, I love that. So, Wrestle House is over. You guys are back. Uh, and we know that there's going to be more. You know, you, you say that Creative didn't have anything for you, but seems like maybe there was a little spark, at least a little something that uh, they had going, coming out of Wrestle House that, you know, it, maybe they didn't have anything for Larry D, but Lawrence D., Hey, maybe I can write for Lawrence D. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, well, that's what I was told. Yeah, you know, but it wasn't. It never got wrote because out out of that out of that Vegas loop, when I heard, "Hey, 
I can write for Larry D. I mean, Larry Lawrence D. No offense to Larry D, but I can write for Lawrence D. And I, I left out of like, oh, shit, okay, now, now, okay, I, I'll come back and be. I, I went and got gear and everything. I, st- I, have, I have a set of gear at home right now that I wore one time for two minutes. T-shirts, gear. Uh, T-shirts, gear. gear everything. People were people were digging it. Like, Lawrence D was was over, I feel like. The internet went crazy. Yeah. Like, I, especially Twitter. People loved when you were on screen. And people loved Lawrence D because it was something different. Yeah, man. And it was something to get. It was like, okay, hey, we got Larry D, and that's great, and he's our guy. You know, but man, this Lawrence D is a character. Well, like I embraced it anymore. I embraced it too. Like in my off time, I, I okay, I know that Larry D is not going to be who they want to move forward with. So I, I bought in. Like I'm buying gear. I'm thinking how I'm going to, you know, things I'm going to do, move sets, you know, psychology of who who Lawrence D will be on tv you know uh, moving forward so you know you know me you heard me on the phone on the way over here i'm always doing my homework for upcoming things and i I definitely was putting the work in and and i feel if lawrence d had the chance it's hard to know what what could have came out of i think that we still could have had great skits with myself and johnny swinger and all of the knockouts and everything and and i think it would have been a real good good time yeah i think right there if there was ever a chance for you to have that like breakout singles moment at least at that time that was going to be the small window or door that you were going to try to kick open yeah Uh, i just needed just just a little just a little bit yeah you know that's all i would ask for so moving forward and i'm not talking about an impact because we know where that leads but as far as right now have we seen the last of lawrence d uh, well, it's, 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 it's their intellectual property. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if I could, if I could do Lawrence D without, you know, having to, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure impact would like chafe my ass, but you know, I don't want to test the waters on it either. But if ever the opportunity came up for me to do Lawrence D again, I absolutely would do Lawrence D again. And I told them, you know, hey, just because I'm not under contract doesn't mean I can't come in here and take some wrestle houses, Lawrence D. I would love that. I, yeah. That that was a conversation I had on the phone with the office as I was on my way out. I, I, I have no, you know, is, is it my favorite character? Not yet. I, I'm, I'm in love with Larry D. I always will be. But Lawrence D., I think there's something there if if ever the right creative came about, you know, for sure. Yeah, I think that it's... It's really cool that that you uh, you embrace that that you went all in on it, and so now like if someone wanted you to do Lawrence D, you got to ask Impact. Yeah, I mean, I, I, in, in the thing, I'm I'm sure it said something along the lines of like all intellectual properties and all this oh, yeah. that and another characters, that big contract and you everything like that, and I don't want to test that water, you know. Yeah, maybe maybe it maybe you could, but I mean, to me is like. If I could do, if someone were to ask me, "Hey, I want to book you as Lawrence D on the Independence," I, I would definitely have to reach out. I, I feel and say, "Hey, you know, here's here's the thing. Someone wants me to do this. I don't know. I, that that would be a bridge I would have to cross in case it came." But no one's asked for Lawrence D since Wrestle House. Yeah. So. Plus, you you know, you did two seasons of Wrestle House. Yeah. Uh, you still have an active relationship with Impact. Obviously, this is stuff we'll all talk yeah. about. You know, moving forward, Badlands Bart. We even got Badlands Bart. I could. I had all kinds of characters there at Impact, man. That's it. So much potential uh, just left on the table. You know, mm-hmm. talk about there's food on the table, so eat, and uh, yeah, they just decided they were full and they moved away. Well, you put me in the fucking microwave. You know, <laughs> fucking leftovers taste good too. You know, but no, I'm I'm happy for what you know I got to do when I got to do there. Yeah.
Yeah. Hey, I love that. So we're going to go to one last commercial break when we okay. come back. You know, we've asked the fans to send in questions. We're still they, asking. They brought them this week, week didn't they, Man, from my they, understanding? They brought the questions. We said, ask Larry anything, and I'm going to unload on you, so yeah. hope you're ready. I'm always ready, baby. Uh, I've, I had so many questions that I literally had to format it. You know, usually okay. I'm able to look at the phone. I had to format it right here. So John wants to know, you know, you're a big part. You are a big part of Generation Next Pro Wrestling. And this is a question about Generation Next Pro Wrestling. He wants to know if at any point in time you or the creative team have ever considered doing a show where the fans will get to make the matches, the fans will get to pick the stipulations, kind of a Cyber Sunday, Taboo Tuesday kind of deal. I know at Primetime Wrestling we did a show like that where the fans chose the matches right. or the stipulations. He wants to know if we'll ever see something like that at Gen Next Wrestling. I would love to see something like that. But, but the problem with things like that is that they're great ideas and they're jumped upon very quickly and then they they unfold not the way that they should. If if the moons and the stars and the technology all lined up to where we could get 100% the way that we know this is the way it should be, of course, I would love to do something interactive with the fans. It went really good at primetime wrestling. We did. It had some really cool matches. I remember uh, Kayla Cassidy ended up wrestling against Christopher Michael Lotus. I think, you know... A lot of matches, big stipulations. I think there was a cage match. All sorts of things that the fans chose, and they really liked the interactive experience, but... I, I agree with you. You got to do it right. Yeah, I, I think I think so many good ideas are, are are squandered away because they're just rushed, and 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 that that's something that with me as an early business person, businessman, I guess you could say would be like, man, that's a great idea. Let's do it tomorrow. You know, to where now it's like, well, that's a great idea, but what if what if I really did take the time and and and, and put some thought into this and make sure that every little detail was the way that it should be, and then we could deliver that product that we know that Gen X. Can, I feel like we're building something special right now with it's the next, It's the next generation of wrestling. Yeah. Like, it's not primetime wrestling. It's not anything that you've seen before. Right. It is a brand new company with young, hungry, what I like up about and coming talent. The current Gen X, what we have going on, is the fact that I feel when we came out the gate, we came out the gate, man. We was man. And then it got to where we want to run everywhere we can. We want to do as many shows as possible to get eyes on these guys. And then we, and then we, we just realized, like, well, you know, it's not quite getting the the numbers that we thought. And I think that you hit it perfect. It's like, well, I think there's so many opportunities to see us in one month that we scatter them out. And that, you know, that's, that's part. I agree 100%. Yeah. And with all wrestling, when you oversaturate the area, when you're on every yes. show or every flyer, if people know that they can see you in one town, they don't have to go see anywhere else. But, but I really feel like Bar Brawl is, is our project now. I feel like Bar Brawl is something that like we got something there to where we can make something special. And, and, and I feel that we focus so much on this project project alone with bar brawl that that we've had we've had more success from bar brawl because we've really had the time to put in it if that makes sense it's not a rushed process it's i know that we were like man we could do this every week we could do this every month we could do but i think bi-monthly is something that allows us not only to to first create the very best card possible for gen x and and the fans uh 
I think that we we must take our time to create the first card. We got to take time and give us time to promote, create advertisements, everything that goes along with it. And then then when we hit those shows, man, they're home runs. And I think that's because we spend so much time every detail. I've seen you in our group messages with production on on flyers where I, I could see a flyer that's absolutely fucking perfect and nothing wrong with it. And you're well, you know, I like that, but we could really get our best if and I know and, and, and I've read it. Yeah. I know you don't want to go back and I know I'm I'm being a lot here and I know you might seem like I'm picky, but I feel like if we made this small change right here, that this will get our best. And it does. That's that's why I love having you a part of stuff like that. Yeah, and, we care and we work hard yeah and that's the difference between yeah. everything we do is that we really do want right. to leave it better than we found and it it's constantly growing what i like to is bar brawl is growing and, and now to the point that the shows we know we can hit them home runs man we can we, to where even the after parties are are now now we're, we're able to put more thought into how these after parties are go how they're how they're organized what we're going to do what, how we can get the very best experience for anybody that comes through legends bar and events to watch wrestling on you know this saturday august 20th or whatever you know they're going to get the very best experience and it's because we have taken time everyone has taken time to to make sure that the product's getting the very best attention yeah a lot of people you know with their questions also just send in really kind words about you know the podcast and especially the upcoming bar brawl did you want to uh, hype the upcoming bar brawl let people well, know, know what they're I'm looking gonna hype to. one match for sure that's me versus Derek James you know what do you uh, think because it's not just a match it's he's challenged you to like pure wrestling right. rules so no going off the top rope no leaving the ring no clothes I think, I think the problem with these guys is they feel like I'm just a brawler and they think that I can't wrestle so you know I'm gonna shot I, I guess Derek James needs a little reminder of my last 20 years of pro wrestling that I can do more than just fight. Yeah. He specifically said that you've got your school, you got yeah. your seminars, you've got all this, you've been around the world. But when you come to Bar Brawl on August 20th, he's taking you to school. Well, of course. And we're getting really okay. We're going to cut one of those fancy promos to, 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 to let him know how I feel about it here in a minute. Uh, but I'm excited to wrestle Derek James. I really am. I've, I've, I've watched the guy come up from Oklahoma and, and set the ring up and just be one of those great little kids that sit there. But now he's got his he's got his self in a couple matches and he's got a couple wins there at Gen X. He wants to test the next level, I guess, and he's going to get his chance. Yeah, he, well, he was Mr. Gen X TV. Yeah. Now he's Mr. Gen X Live. And his thing is, is that at the fight night that we just had, hundreds of people around that ring. It was a big opportunity for eyes on the product and it was a great show, so many good matches right. that we could talk about. But Derek James was there, and, you know, he was embarrassed. He lost to Gary Gandy, and he got I was trying to get him out of the ring. I wouldn't even prepare to wrestle. Well, you know, the guy, he said he just wanted one more, one more yeah. match, and you get into the ring, and, uh, you know, by, we talked about we go by the records, and officially the quickest yeah. win in Gen X history, three seconds. What was that? You pinned What Derek was that James. song, like that song that should come to your mind whenever like I connected with him? Look at the flip of the wrist. Look at the flip. Knock that bitch out. Yeah. Stand in the house. So it'll be fun. Now, I, now, he, now he doesn't want me to use my fist. No, so you can't hit him. You've got to, to wrestle him. You've got to put on your ASICs and go to the mat. Yeah. <laughs> 
I remember one time. I have to tell this story. One time we was we was drinking at my house when I was who in, was I was in another life. You know, that was completely it was in different a completely world. different life, and it was about two in the morning. And it was in the upstairs got, of the wrestle house. We got back. We had gotten back to the old Bourbon Court Mansion there, and. Uh, yeah, we got back from Waffle House and, and we man, we're terrible. And you made that phone call <laughs> and it was about uh training or something to one of the local companies and then you was like, Well see that John Bad is your is your um John Bad is your champion. I just want to know, does he like to go to the mat? Does he wear ASICs? Yeah, and, like, hey, I'm not there for championship yeah, belts man, and glory. I, I've got trophies. I've got medals. We had like, and more importantly, i got ASICs, and that means I can go to the mat with anybody. Man, that time of life, if we had if we had you guys if we had you guys here at that time of life, boy, that would be a whole different reality series, wouldn't it? There would be a lot of people upset yeah. with some of the answers to these yeah, questions. there would be. Uh, yes. Follow-up to that question uh, that – you know, way back, the, he asked about the uh, if Gen X would ever plan to do a show like that. The follow-up to that question is, what is your opinion of shows like that where fans get to choose the stipulations and also, like, those shows they do where there's, like, a lethal lottery-type right. situation to where names actually get drawn out of a hat and those type of matches take place. You can't prepare for those type of things. You don't know what the I fans think I earned a job on. I think I earned a job like that. Yeah, tell us about a it. A time or two with, like, Sammy Callahan specifically is that there was a lethal lottery draw with IWA in Jeffersonville on a Thursday night, and Sammy Callahan was flying in. And if you know anything about flights, well, sometimes they don't go as planned, obviously. And his flight landed, like, 10 minutes before bell time. And Ian was like, I'll tell you what. The worst-case scenario is Larry and Sammy Callahan get drawn out of the hat to wrestle at any point of the, the card. And the even worst scenario is Larry D. and Sammy Callahan get drawn first. So, I'm, you know, any time of those lethal lotteries, you know, a lot of people think those are, like, rigged and set up, and they're not. They're not. Or at least anyone that I'm not – anyone I'm a part of has always been a shoot. Yeah. I know that some people try to work them, but uh, – in this case, my name or Sammy's name is drawn first, and he gets there, and he's—I mean—he's literally running up the Jeffersonville Arena that you know, and he's got his ass showing, pulling up, you know, his blue jeans. It's exactly how you thought him. Because his Sammy music, Callahan was yeah, his go. music's playing, and then that's when I heard, man, worst case scenario is like if Larry D were to. Uh, you know, get drawn, and sure enough, and his next opponent is Larry D. And, like, we had never – I knew him. I shook his hand maybe five seconds prior uh, at another show, and uh, he he goes to the ring, and then my name gets drawn, and somehow as I'm coming out the curtain, he fucking disappears and hits me in the back of the head with a mustard uh, – can and and that's how our match started and we just went out there and we we got it on the fly and man I'm telling you from there he was we were buddies and I was over with him and then uh he I got booked against him there at Rockstar Pro to where we had some time to put something together and, and he knew that I had a little bit behind me there and that's when it, he told me that night like hey, I want to bring you up to Revolver and and I'll message you your life change my life yeah it sure did so Caden wants to know what was it like for you to work for the MWA, for the Mountain Wrestling Association, for anybody that doesn't know, you know, outside of this area, it was a really big company here in the Kentucky area, uh, ran by, like, Danny Fargo, right. the likes of Chris Hayes, uh, lots of really big local names, and uh, 
people like Wildcat Chris Harris, the Monster Abyss when he right. was Prince Justice. Lots of guys came up through there. Uh, Chad Allegra, who right. was Carl Anderson. Uh, and he just wants to know what it was like for you to work in the NWA, the legacy think, of the company. I think you can find these stories with anyone that's gotten signed or any. There's always that, like, that promotion that they, they their home promotion when they were coming up that's memorable to them. I've had several small promotions coming up, but MWA was the one where I really – uh, I got to like grind my gears, I guess you would say, in a good way. I got to, I, I, I came up there half trained, and I thought I was fully trained. And then I realized that there had guys like the Steels and the Greens and all that at the time that were there. Uh, and I, I would, I would see that they were very good, and they would get to do things like I want to do. I want to be a part of that. And and it took MWA humbled me to where it taught me to be a professional because up until then I had no idea what being a professional was. Uh, and then once I seen like, man, I can learn from these guys. And, and fortunately I got paired with Scott Hayes and, and that's where like he, he was always on the road and, and like we would share how much we love to wrestle. And he was a Colorado Rocky scout, you know, he made all this big money and I'm working at the Kentucky horse park for $6 and 95 cents an and hour. wrestling just because he loved yeah. it. He didn't and have to. He did it because he loved it. Every other Thursday, I was off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So every other Thursday, he would pick me up in, like, Lexington, or I would drive to his house, and then we would drive down to Nashville, and we'd wrestle at the stadium ends, and then we would stay over, and we'd wrestle in, like, Laverne, or then we would wrestle in, you know, wherever it would be, and come home on Sunday and wrap up in Glensboro, and then he'd drop me off at his house, and I'd go home. And those guys would <clears> sneak <throat> you into, like, yeah. bar shows. I remember one time, man. Yeah, I remember one time, uh, it was up at, uh, Donnie P was running a show up in, like, Saddle Ridge, or not Saddle? Was it Saddle Ridge? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, they had a show I think there, so. and, and you would have to have your ID to come through. And I remember they stopped me on my way, and they're like, "Hey, come through the back." And uh, I came through the kitchen, and I wrestled the match, and I changed next to Chris Hero, and I wrestled the match, and they paid me. I went, had to go right back out the kitchen. I couldn't hang out, but yeah, man, I done a bunch of crazy stuff to to get into a wrestling ring. But the MWA was always good for like solid talent. Like you would you would. Try Travel the shows and you would see the guys like they get it. They they you know what I mean. They they do the same stuff. But MWA was like far more than just like uh, even before I become a wrestler. Like my very first live experience with pro wrestling was the MWA show. So when I got trained, it was always told to me like you will never wrestle for the MWA. Yeah, it was. It, we talked about it earlier like making it. Yeah, in this area. And, that's and, how you. And make yes, it. if yeah, that that you're right at that point. Yes, and, and like it was. It was always told to me like you'll never make it to the MWA because of how you got trained or you know things like that. And that's a story for another time. And, and I took that as like, hmm, okay. Again, you know me. It's like, would you tell me I can't do something? Then oh my gosh, I'm gonna do it. And and once I got there. Again, the same. I start losing weight. I got myself in shape, and and then the better things start happening. I become the MWA World Champion for like three fucking years, and uh, I got to wrestle with Lawler, Samoa Joe, Cat uh, Harris. I mean, like the list could go forever, and and you know the end of the day, it helped me go on to an IWA 
and be more prepared for an IWA as it would just to be jumping in from, you know, fresh out of training. Because of that IWA, you know, it might not be where it was 20 years ago, but even then for someone coming from Kentucky like a me and a Stan Sierra, it was kind of out of our game a little bit, and we had to, we had to elevate a little bit. Uh, but without the MWA, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, and you were the MWA champion, and we talked about it. Wildcat Chris Harris. Yeah, man. Rob the Bob, uh, Bob Williams, uh, Abyss. All these guys, Tracy Smothers, people that you had watched for years, people that are huge names in the industry, they'd all held that MWA title. And, you know, currently, if you want to see that MWA title, it's hanging on the wall. It is over at Legends Barn Events. Let's get a quick plug for Legends Barn Events. Uh, Legends Barn Events open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Open Wednesday, 5 30 till midnight. Thursday through Saturday is 4 p.m. to 1 a.m. Now, we have all kinds of fun there. It is crazy at times. These people love to dance. I'd love to see some more people come out and enjoy it that's never been there. Right down from the studio that we're in now. And Skullface Records, you got to give them a shout out. Hey. Nick and his wonderful wife up here talking to us and watching us talk silliness every week. So we greatly appreciate you guys for hey, sure. I love it. I love this entire thing. We do it for the fans, and we couldn't do it without Nick and his crew here at uh, Skullface. Skullface Records Radio. Questions keep pouring in, baby. Russ wants to know if you could work for any territory in any uh, time, any dimension, as far as, you know, what time frame, perfect world, you could go back to the 80s, you could go to the 90s. So, Dusty Rhodes era, NWA, uh, Austin uh, Attitude era. What era of wrestling would you like to be placed in if you could be placed anywhere and, you know, what company, what time frame, anything like that? I would like to – if I had it my way, I, I would like to have wrestled in the NWA, WCW time of mid-'80s, early-'90s. I feel like, you know, Dusty, I mean, like Georgia, Florida, Texas. You know, Georgia, Florida, Texas, let me get them. Let me get them and anywhere else in between because at that time, man, you could just like I've read a lot of books of where Dusty would do Georgia and then he'd fade out and go to Florida, then he'd go to Texas, he'd go to Kansas City, you know, stuff like that. And and he'd still be relevant. It's not, you know, it's just he's going here and going there. And they, but the thing is, is he'd still be relevant because he's not seen. This is before national television was a thing, it was just a territorial thing. And I feel like, you know, back then I, I would love to have been in the 80s just because. Like now, you're you're almost like you got to have the perfect body in some people's eyes. You're not tall enough. You're not you know you're too you're too fat. You're too skinny. You're not you know whatever it might be. But back then, if you remember those times, man, they had just regular looking guys that were just badasses. And that you know a lot of guys that connect, it's not got anything to do with their body. Right. It's they connect to you. Dusty Rhodes was the everyday man, baby. Mm -hmm. Dusty Rhodes was you. He was the son of a plumber. Mm -hmm. What would the dream match between Dusty Rhodes and Larry D look like? Shit. It'd be a bloody fucking war, I think. But I would love every minute of it. I, I want to wrestle in, in like, like if I died and like, okay, what would you want to do? I, I want to wrestle Dusty Rhodes in a fucking cage. You know, I just, I could just see like blood everywhere. Just, just, you know, I told you about switching up my look a little bit on the way on mere count of just like I fucking love Dusty Rhodes. You know, that's stuff like that. I think that'd be perfect for me. Well, you're you you try to you have that same connection. You're a hardworking man. You support your family, just like Dusty. Just need. To 
connect that elbow That's against it. somebody. You put that fist across anybody's face. To me, it writes itself. Yes, sir. I think I think that the eighties, mid eighties era would be perfect for Larry D. Yeah, if you if you were, just thirty, almost forty years behind, man, no big deal. That's it, man. You anytime now, it's what's old is new again, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's an NWA resurgence. It's coming back uh, big. And the thing is, is that, you know, never say never, right? Man, the NWA's got a lot of cool stuff going on, really. If you think, they got that NWA power. They've got all kinds of pay-per-views coming up. They're traveling the country. It's like, man, that's a, that's a hell of a spot to maybe want to be. I love the old-school look. I couldn't imagine being in the middle of that ring with the very simple NWA, yeah. and you look up, and there's the flags. Well, and you look at, like, all the, all the people that have seen those same letters, those same blue and yellow colors of, like, Lucas, Stings, Flares, Harley Race, Lynn Steamboats, and even Trevor Murdoch. I mean, he's a hell of a champion. So, you know, the NWA is a fuck. That's where I would want to be, you know. I would love to do business with them. Would you rather hold the 10 pounds of gold, the old dusty Ric Flair NWA World Heavyweight title, or would you rather have the big gold, the Ric Flair WCW belt? I think I would want the other. I think I would want the one that Harley Race had. You know, that to me, that that's NWA. You know, and, like, I think I was telling you earlier, like, man, I couldn't imagine, like, if I was the NWA champion, I'd walk around. I, I swear, I, I'd, I'd be dressed out just like everybody in the suits and everything because that's what it is. Like, I remember any NWA world champion, as rugged as they were, they always walked into the building and they had these fucking sport coat suits that's on, it. these blazers, the and they had the, the belt side. right there because yeah. that that's what you're supposed to do. That's that's With that belt comes that honor, you know. It's like, to me, if I were the NWA world champion, I, I'd have to look my very best everywhere I I went and I swear I'd I'd be suits and ties and sunglasses and you know you know that I was somebody so, because I am somebody if I'm the NWA world's fucking that's champion. That's right. Yeah. It, the t- regardless of how you see the company that that name that brand and especially that championship they still mean something in wrestling. I don't care who you are. Of course not. That 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 the heritage alone is like man that's somewhere I'd want to be. So you'd rather have Dusty than Hogan in the eighties. Uh, or, yeah. or, well, at that time, I think Hogan's just going to beat the fuck out of me and body slam me. But Dusty, we're going to fucking fight. That's it. You know, I'm going to make those memorable moments of like, yeah, Hogan might body slam me. And even though Hogan was one of my big influences coming up, trust me, Dusty's right there too. But I just, I could just picture me and Dusty having a hell of a fucking fight back in the 80s. And I imagine that regardless what time frame, what era that they put you in, yeah. that Larry D's still got that same attitude. You know, I think, whether it's Dusty, whether it's Hogan, it's not who does Larry D. He wants it. It's who wants right. Larry D. And I think I think today I could fight John Moxley all over the building the same way. You know, there's there's still wrestlers like watch that. out if you throw challenges like that around. Yeah. He, he's still, hungry for blood. But there's still wrestlers like that. My point is that there's still wrestlers out like that that yeah. that that have that. You know, we're we're out here. You just gotta let us fight. You hustle, you work hard. You know, I say whatever you want about John Cena. It yeah, is man. about that hustle, loyalty, respect, and he's the one of my favorite wrestlers in. of all time. I swear Cena is. One of my, he does it all. In the ring, out of the ring, he's just genuinely, he just gets it. He's a good dude. He's great great to have. I tell you, the WWE definitely found a gold mine there several, several years ago. Hey, that is correct. Uh, Danielle wants to know, what match stands out most to you in your career ever? Like, out of every match you've ever had, which one stands out the most to you? Gresham, because that's the one that I got to show the world that I can fucking go. Jonathan Gresham. Easily Jonathan Gresham. I think that even though I wasn't at my very best where, I, where I'm at now, 
that was the the turncoat of like, man, this guy's got a little something here, and I got to show the world on a, on a bigger stage. Even though it was TPI, it was the biggest stage for me, and and I got to show the world that I, I always go back to the Jonathan Gresham match, if, and I suggest people go back and watch that in it's, TPI 2017. It's good psychology. You know, a lot of people, yeah. sometimes a wrestling match on the psychology and the story you tell can make the entire yeah. match. It doesn't have to be huge moves and I love it because of the fact that he sells you he yeah. sells you the entire time not like a wrestler but like here he is he's a guy that can do technically anything yes. he's been in the ring with everybody but he is moving away from you as if you're Jason as yeah. if you're Michael Myers as if you're about to eat him alive I use and that. he's got to survive if you notice I use that match every year in the camp to when we go over selling and psychology, I use that match as an example every year because I, I feel it's that good on his end. I feel like I, now, it's don't get me so wrong, good. you know, I humbly hold my own, you know, for where I was at at that stage. But man, it, you I, you really should focus on Gresham when you watch that match because he's that good. Hayden wants to know who are your favorite up and coming wrestlers or your favorite up and coming wrestler in the business. Kellen Craven. I love Kellen Craven. uh, He says he's unchosen, but I think that that's a cop-out, man, because you were chosen. You are chosen because there is no time that he's ever been in the ring and putting that work in that he doesn't connect to that crowd, and they choose him every time. I think that he is one bigger stage away from an even bigger stage, if that makes sense. I think once he figures out his loops of, like, yes, this show is important, but, like, this opportunity – is bigger. So, you know, once once he figures out where he needs, he's very young still, you know, uh, and he's very good. I think that if he can get himself on, like, these bigger, bigger shows mixed in with these other eager talents, you know, like, I think, like, he and Billy Starks would have a fucking killer match. I think, like, he and Ace Perry would have, you know, all these guys that he, if he could get up in that Midwest stage, you know, of things, of these bigger bigger shows that you see around here, I feel that he's going to find himself very successful to where even more than he probably thought. I just, you know, we, we, t- we every week we're always pushing bigger, more, bigger, more, bigger, more, and I he's think that one he's of those, ready. He's one of those guys that he's learned the, he's learned the techniques. He's learned the basics. And he continues to come, and he continues to learn, and he continues to get better. And he doesn't just do it by coming. He applies it. He goes to the shows and the things that he learns from us. He's been in the ring with me, and I tell you, I told him, I said, on on this night, you're going to learn that it's not about calling 100 things and going an hour and doing everything we know. I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna that connect. Was, that was my next point about him and, and being less actively less than two years. Uh, I think that he he understands when to entertain and when to push the pedal. And he he's been really good here. This last six months is amazing to watch the growth. I can't wait to see where it's at in the next six. Who do you think is the future of the business? Do you think is that still your answer, or do you see anybody else out there as you travel the roads that you think like? This person is one shot away. He's they're, they're getting ready to turn that corner. They're going to be who we're talking about tomorrow. Oh, I mentioned it earlier when I wanted uh, Billy Starks 
She's, she's like 17 years old from Louisville, Kentucky. She's been in the business since she was like 13. And I'm telling you, the girl, the girl is, is fire. She, she, she can work with anybody, male, female. It's very impressive. Uh, the, the best thing that I like about the fact is that the girl ain't scared to get in the car and travel the country while most kids her age are, you know, going to the movies or dances or things like that nature. She's in there pounding the roads, and she's very, very good at what she's done. And she's been blessed to get so good so quick that she's already shared the ring with those that's already been on the stage. I mean, heck, she's wrestled numerous women's world champions and had heck of a matches with them. So there's no doubt in my mind that Billy Starks is uh, Alice Crawley is another uh, female talent that that I would like to see get out there more, like kind of like what Billy's doing, because I think that they both could be very successful on the next level. And I think one day we'll see Billy Starks on her big, big, big lights. Hey, I love that. So uh, he had a follow-up question. Who is your favorite AEW superstar and WWE superstar? Uh, my favorite AEW superstar is Lord Crew because I don't watch the product. I have not, I can't tell you that I've watched the first AEW uh, show start to finish. I do know that Lord Crew's on there on their darks, and, and I know that he hustles, and I know that he he's wanting a job, and I hope that 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 he gets one. So right now, I see him on the AEW posters and the AEW flyers and stuff. I, I want to see him. That's my favorite AEW wrestler right now. Tell us about Lord Crew. Tell us like your thoughts, your feelings, everything about Lord Crew. I know that that's hard to condense, but just real quick. I think that he's. I think that he's hungry. I think that like guys like that who who I seen at a very thin as a rail, you know, when I first start and he's got a kilt and like some paint on his face and like halfway knowing what's going on to look at the individual now of, of the sculpted body that the hard work that he's fucking put into the gym and the travel and the miles and just the mere fact of love in the industry. I, I, I love the guy. I hope that he has all the success in the world and I hope that he finds what he's looking for in it, you know, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm big on Lord Crew. The 21st, you defend your New South Heavyweight Championship against him. Is that going to be his night? Is that the night that he breaks well, through? Well, there's a difference between behind this podcast, Mike, and then when you're standing across the ring from me with boots laced up. Now I don't like you at all. You're so, going to push him, ain't you? Yeah, I'm going to push him to his limit. So I, I'd suggest watching that one. Hey, I tell you what, he's very talented. I remember him coming to me. Uh, while we're doing PTW, yeah, he's man. like, I've never been in a uh, gimmick match before. And it's like, well, yeah, you're going to start now. Right. I mean, he's super talented. He's, he's great. He's got, he got a wonderful girlfriend, fiance, you know, and yeah, she does talented. well. She does well also in the wrestling business and not spreading yeah. his news. But, you know, uh, he definitely is. He's on the right track, and I couldn't be more proud of him. And I can't wait to smack him in the face on August 21st. Hey, he hustles and goes like nobody's business. And, uh, I hope we can get into further I detail. Yeah. Well, whether it's AEW, WWE, or the independents, who's somebody that it would surprise people? Like, who, who's that person that is like your guilty pleasure? That you see it and people are like, oh, Larry wouldn't get behind that. Who, who is your guy that's like, I know you wouldn't believe this, but I really like. Oh, God. You see what you're doing here? Hey, that's it. You're summons and a demon. Hey, the wrestling gods have spoken. They want some more of me, Max, and Mike. Yeah, I mean, you know, really, I don't know, man. I mean, that's a, that's a tough question, you know. Uh, you're very open. You're an open book. So yeah. Usually you'll say, hey, yeah, I like I mean, this guy, I really whether it's popular have one, or not. You know, I mean, Sam Beal, I feel, is one of those guys that that are like a, a diamond, you know, that, that when, when he gets his chance. 
I feel that, that you know. But, I mean, as far as, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a tough one. I can't say because I don't watch the product enough, maybe. Yeah. Hey, you know, there's lots of up-and-comers. And, yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know what, you may come back here in a week or of so. Of course. Go, you know hey, how you know, I work. I've been work. watching wrestling. And you know how I work. This guy that yeah. I really like. Yeah, you know how I work. So, Taylor wants to know if you had to pick five wrestlers that – so for the rest of your life, you can only wrestle these five wrestlers. Who would you choose? I Who are want, your five guys? Give me Flair. Give me Steamboat. Give me Savage. Give me Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, that last one's tough. That last one's real tough because I've only got one spot, you know. Yeah. I'm trying to cover. Give me Mick Foley. There you go. So now that's that's on the big level, but what about on the indie on the indies? level? Oh, if I yeah. could choose five big on the indies. Big independents, small independents, wherever you've been around the world, or maybe you haven't even wrestled yeah. them yet. Yeah. Five people you wrestle for the rest uh, of your life. Gosh. Blake Christian. All heart. Alex Zane. Gosh. Someone like a John Wayne Murdoch that that I know I can brawl and fight with and still have a good classic wrestling match. Uh, Aaron Williams, of course. I think you have wrestled him for the rest yeah. of your life. You uh, guys have tore. I up. can wrestle him the rest of my life. And uh, gosh, man, the, the, I've wrestled so many people in the last 20 years, it's hard to condense down to five because I want to keep wrestling them all. But if Scott Hayes were to come back, I could wrestle Scott Hayes seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's it, and you would and you will. Yeah, I will. I have. That's it. Hey, if you're out there listening, Scott, Anytime you're ready, do next yeah, wrestling. We'll do it. I would we'll love sign to do it. that. You know, another another one guy we I know we talked about and put him over, but there's gonna be a day that Kellen Craven's gonna catch this smoke. And I can't wait to get in there and share the ring with him and you know, do all that. Hey, I've done it and then the thing is, is like we we ain't had to push the push the pedal, but there's no. gonna be one day that I'm gonna wanna get in there and yeah. see what he's got. Yeah, I can't wait today I get to do it myself. Hey, I love it. So Michael wants to know. What is the status of IWA Mid-South? And I know you can't really speak on that, and you've already talked about IWA earlier in right. the podcast and on other episodes. Uh, but even if you don't know the status of IWA Mid-South, maybe just talk about IWA Mid-South. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, as far as I know, as far as I know, it's closed. You know, uh, as far as I know, they had some money issues and some some, some hardships. Uh, and, and I've seen business uh, towards the end of it that I didn't approve. And some friends of mine that <clears throat> maybe got, you know, shorted or something, or they got some wrongdoings. I can't speak on that because I don't know the full details. I just know who I stand behind. And that's why I no longer did business there. Uh, maybe one day he'll open back up. If you know Ian, you know that he's, 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 he's closed it down a few times, and he's came back, and he's had success, and he's closed it down again. So if he does that, hopefully all the best would be for him. But to my knowledge, there is no IWA anymore, but you can go back and watch some of the footage and things like that. So, you know, that's about it. I mean, I, I can't say – I think so many people talk like Ian Rotten, and then there's this all over, like, just well, I got to shit talk him or talk bad. I can't do that. I just I can explain to you why I'm not there and, and that I know that the place is closed as far as my understanding, as far as that goes. I can't tell you anything more. But I loved it. And without IWA, I'm, I'm grateful for IWA. I'm grateful for uh, Ian allowing me the opportunity to step on the stages that he gave me. And, and, you know, hopefully he's doing well. Yeah, Micah also wanted to know, like, 
how you got to Impact Wrestling, which, you know, like I told Mike, I said, hey, listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's going to tell you exactly how he got into Impact Wrestling. That's, We've already talked about the road to Impact Wrestling. We're in Impact that's Wrestling. That's why they're episodes one, episodes two, episodes three that that's you it. can go back. Let's yeah. go back, listen to them all. I hope that we do this for the fans, and I hope they enjoy it. I hope they stay along for the journey. Right. Uh, his follow-up question is, how would you recommend anyone getting into Impact Wrestling? I would recommend getting your name out there, not staying in the same area. Uh, find the shows that have Impact stars on them because those guys have – they, you know, the good thing about Impact Wrestling is it's not like, you know, we talked, it's, man, it's hard for, it's hard for me to get a hold of the boss and stuff like that, even though, but even though it's hard to get hold of the boss, you still have, you work directly with these agents that are some boys, <laughs> the boys and the girls too, and they actually get to talk to the boss. So, so you want to impress them you know, on the outside so that they can go back and do the same thing that Sammy Callahan, Abyss, Jake Christ, and all those other guys, Rich Swan, that did for me is say, hey, so-and-so's really good. I feel like they would do good good work here at Impact. And then and then you get on the shows, and then you, you look up, and you might have someone like a Scott Demore that's on, on the indie booking with you, and you go out there and you get over, and then now you've got his eye. He knows your name. I, I, I remember the process with me. Don Callis didn't even know my fucking name. No idea. And then it took about a year of just constantly working these shows, these Impact Plus specials, these these shows that they, they're combining on. And, and then I remember uh, about six months before I got signed, I was walking down uh, Chicago in the backstage there, and he was walking up. He usually walks right by me, never puts us in, never say nothing, you know. This day he puts his hand and he slaps me on the shoulder and goes, you got that big right hand ready to deliver somebody tonight? And I knew then that I had some, somebody knows me there, the president's knowing who the fuck I am and what the fuck I can do, keep pushing. You know, I, I would suggest getting out there, man. Don't stay in one place. What is your advice to uh, your friends, other wrestlers that you see out there, and they are, they're plugging away. You know, they are uh, trying to get video content right. out. They're trying different gimmicks, different styles. Uh, they're doing seminars. They're doing camps. They're doing everything they possibly can do in their opinion, to get signed, what is your opinion to those guys that are uh, out there just I think hustling? that all that content's great, man. Don't get me wrong. I've always been terrible at it. But all that content's great. But look at everyone that's doing it. At the end of the day, you just got to do good work. You know, uh, word of mouth from, from your peers goes much further than, you know, views on the Internet or shares or all of that, which is great. But, you know, you got to have followers. You got to. There's no doubt that you've got to get people following you. You know, you, you're not going to impress a, a, a Scott Demore or someone if you're like, hey, you know, like this, and they go and look at your Twitter, you've got 30 followers. So you really need to, you know, stay active on your, your medias. You need to create content, of course. But at the end of the day, you just got to do good work. And above all that, just be a genuinely good person. I've I've done everything. You you know what I've done to get along in this business. But I think I think the thing that helped me the most is the fact that I'm genuinely a good person, and that I care about people, and that then you know, people recognize that, and it's much easier to be around me. And, and someone like me, I would feel like that's who I would want to be around. You know, is someone that's going to motivate, push, and help. You know, I just think being a genuine good person gets you further than any amount of talent than you would have. Yeah, that's it. And talking about that, don't forget you got to like, share, subscribe to this video, yes, sir. hit the bell icon, and, and the it'll ring every single We're time get some we upload merch here something. Soon, boy, yeah. we'll get some merch here soon. We got a blog. We've got this content right here. We are constantly trying to get out there to the people. I'm so excited. So, final question is, Larry D. 
where are you going? What's your goal? And where do you want to wind up? Man, you know, I, I, I want to wind up right where I'm at right now. You know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I really am. For the first time in 20-plus years, I'm, I'm content. You know, like, I, I think it took so long for me to, to be okay with wrestling where I, where I put it if that makes sense, where I put wrestling in my life. It is my job. But I, now now that I have an opportunity to do other things that allows me to, you know, maybe go camping with the kids on the weekends, you know, those are, those are all things that I had to sacrifice that I didn't get to do coming up with Delaney, Autumn, and Carter prior. And now I've worked myself into a position that I can still do okay in the wrestling business. I still make my money in the wrestling business and provide for my family. But also along that process, it allows me to not miss Annie. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough. I can sit here and tell you what it's like being Larry D, you know, but I'll tell you, I love being Larry D, but there ain't nothing like being Larry D.A.D., you know, <laughs> and uh, there's a shirt right there. Yeah, man. And, and like just just seeing like with, with Delaney, Autumn and Carter, I, I had to go to work and work eight hours, 10 hours. And then I had to come home and, and they'd be on the couch and I didn't get to see them for a split second and be back on the road to where now it's like, man, I just felt like a piece of shit for that, even though I had to do what I had to do. And now I see this little <laughs> this little blonde hair, sandy blonde, you know, holding my pinky. You wanted me to go put rocks in a cup or just wants to ride down the street in a, in a, in a van. And, and man, it just, it puts into perspective how hard we work to get what we want, you know? And like, we want, we want a full schedule. We do. I, I love, I love being in the ring as much as I can, but man, I can't tell you that it just adds up zero in comparison to waking up and, and, and I just look over and realize that there's been a four-year-old hogging the covers for more hours than I can count, you know, and it's changed me. It really has. It's changed me to where I know now that I miss so much and that I have little time with the teenagers before they get off to college. But I've got all the time in the world to recoup and do it, you know. Not that I didn't do it the right way with the others, but now it's like I get to enjoy what I missed. I feel like God gave me a second chance with Annie and, and also allowed me opportunities to, to help these teenagers grow into better adults, I feel. Yeah, so yeah. that 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 four year old saved me and, and helped me, uh, it helped me put wrestling into perspective as a business as a more as a hobby. Yeah, it's a new definition of making it, and you know I, I can't be the judge. I'm not the judge. Yeah. but uh, sounds like you made it, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I can't tell you. I mean, I'm I'm fighting back tears because that four year old's changed me so much. Really, she has. So that's going to bring uh, episode three to a close. That's the COVID era. That's Man. Wrestle House. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be a season two. We talk yeah. about that uh, later. But, you know, we move down the road now. We are heading into episode four. What are we going to talk about? Well, we know for sure that somebody shot Johnny Bravo. We have to talk about who shot Johnny Bravo. That's it. It could be one of the most important parts of uh, – your impact run, yeah. you know, uh, definitely a big story. It led to some uh, big opportunities, big matches, yes. but that's a story for next week. I appreciate it. I hey, can't wait to talk about no it. No problem at all. So thank you so much for listening to the show. Me, Max, and Mike, we can't do this without each and every single one of you. This right here, the podcast that is truly everything legendary. Hey, 
We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Subscribe, like, share. Me, Max, the Mike, we're out. Thanks a lot.